is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 110, for Monday, the 1st of April, 2013. Another binary episode, 110. That's right. I'm not going to convert that one. I screwed it up last time, so uh, (laughs) convert at your own risk. Yeah, you never know. The internet may lie to you if you try to convert that like it did to you Uh, that time. It's nine. (laughs) Okay. Well, we didn't know that at the time. I did that in my head. Very good. I'm glad you can convert binary in your head. Do I sound okay? It's not nine. I don't know what it is. All right. (laughs) See what happens? Yeah. Don't even try, man. Okay. I'm not even going to bring up the next binary episode, which is actually the next episode. Uh, One, one, one. That's true. Our 111st episode. 111st. All right. So season finale has now aired. This is our last regular season uh, podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. After this, we go into the playoffs, I guess. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> it's post-regular post season. If this is the end of the regular season, we go to the playoffs next. I don't know what that means in podcasting terms, but why not? And we have an enormous show, an enormous podcast this it's week. It's enormous? I don't know how we're going to get through the whole thing without falling asleep and having to continue tomorrow. All right. Well, let's not. Well, let's just do the, half, the first half of the show, and then we'll just shut her down. <laughs> And that'll be that. People will wonder, what happened? <laughs> we'll just stop mid-sentence. Well, the first thing we have to do, and let's try not to take too long on this, I would wish you a happy April Fool's Day. Oh, but thanks. that would be far too obvious. Too late. And so what I'm going to do instead is tell you that today is Tater Day. Tater Day, as in potato? Tater Day. Tater Day is a large festival in Benton, Ken- yeah. Benton Kentucky. Oh, yeah. And it was started in 1843 as a celebration of spring and a time when all the townsfolk would get together and trade in sweet potato slips used to grow the plants. It is also the oldest continuous trade day in the United States, in which goods such as guns, coonhounds, tobacco, or livestock are swapped or sold. Tater Day brings to town carnival rides, games, a market, a potato-eating contest, mule pulls, and a biggest potato contest— which attracts large potatoes from across the country. I'm a large potato. <laughs> <laughs> a couch potato and a large potato. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe you could win the contest. Covered so. in eyes. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so Benton, Kentucky, the happy Tater Day to everybody down there. I remember when you were teaching your daughter uh, how to say the word potato. Yeah, she had trouble, and then they mix up potato and tomato and things like that. Yeah, it was the uh, the night before my wedding, and we were at the uh, the reception for all the uh, out of town guests. Yep, and stuff. And you were saying she was she thought it was poto, and then you kept saying no potato. Right. It was well, good, good times. That's fun. She's got it down now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, this was a couple of years ago now. Uh, yes. More than that. You only married two years? Uh, three years. There you go. <laughs> It'll be four in the end of this month. Very good. So it was about four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got an email. I'm going to start off. This is our listener email of the week. Uh, okay. I, I don't know. What does that mean? That's just a new thing. Is, uh, that a, is that a prize? Is that a, like an honor? No, there's no prize. I've decided what, if I'm, what I'm going to do for a while, and maybe not every week. I don't know. But it seems like the last few weeks we've had uh, an email sort of off the top just because I thought it was uh, funny or relevant or or irrelevant to the rest of the show. So I'm putting it at the beginning. Oh, but, I see. So it's first <clears throat> listener email of the week. Uh, 
Yeah, sort <laughs> of. But I'm also going to call it the special listener email it's slash an honor, call. Honored position. It's that's right. That's okay. right. All right. This one comes from Jasper in the Netherlands, and he writes, "Hey guys, just wanted to drop a line and thank you for calling for my appearance in the series every week." Damn right, Jasper. Uh, unfortunately, AMC has not contacted me yet. Also, I don't think you, uh, I would fit your idea of a Jasper. It is, in fact, a very common name here in the Netherlands. Nice. Well, I should go there then. Yes. It's, it's more common than here. Everybody I think everybody's name is Jasper. Everybody you run into will be a Jasper over there. Yeah. By the sounds of it. That's excellent. Well, thanks. So there you go. Thanks, Jasper, for sending that in. And no, uh, let it, well, let us know if AMC calls to have you on the show. Yeah. Because that would be exciting. They'll just, you know, call for oh, an open casting call for Jaspers. For Jaspers. Some guys on the internet said we need a Jasper, so uh, come forward. Yeah. Okay, two more items before we get into the real show here. First of all, I want to remind everyone that next uh, Saturday, well, this coming this, Saturday. The, the next Saturday that occurs that for is, us. That is what I mean, is going to be our uh, live call-in broadcast, and that is Saturday, April 6th. We're doing it at 5 p.m. Eastern uh, Daylight Time. Mm-hmm. So figure out what time that is for you around the world. I tried to pick a time that works for the majority of the Earth, more or less. Well, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for a lot of people. It's, it's a round planet with many time zones. It, that's exactly it. Um, and so I tried to pick a time where, you know, there's going to be people asleep, obviously, but if you're awake and you want to listen to us or call in and chat, it'll be great. We'll talk about the season finale. We'll talk about maybe what's, you know, what you're expecting for season four. Yeah. All kinds of good stuff. And, and I just want to say that I apologize if I've offended anybody that be- actually believes that the world is flat. Uh, yeah, I hear there are those people out there. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you believe the world is flat, I apologize for say- for offending you that uh, by stating that it's in fact round. He apologizes for speaking the truth. Yes. Uh, okay, so tune into that April 6th, next Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern. It should be a good time. And one more thing, I'm, we're going to pre-announce a contest right now. Not not announced. Not We're, officially. This is not an announcement. This is a pre-announcement. It is. The right. official announcement will come during the live call-in show. Okay, so this is a spoiler for a contest announcement. It is. Okay. Uh, we are going to be running a contest over the course of the whole spring, summer, and beginning of fall until season four premieres. The winner will be announced on the premiere podcast night. Awesome. We did this last year, I think, for a long-running contest. I don't remember what it was for, though. Uh, <laughs> memories. Who has them? Yeah, who has them anymore? So this contest is going to start next Saturday, and the idea comes from um, one of our listeners called Adam on Facebook. Okay. He sent me a message and said he had a really great idea for a contest, and I agreed. And it is this. We are going to do a short story writing contest. So any of you writers out there or people who just want to start, you know, putting hands to keyboard or pen to paper. Quill to parchment. That's right. That (laughs) works too. (laughs) Um, We're going to have a a short story writing contest. We'll provide all the details you need during our live broadcast. And don't worry, the broadcast will be recorded and released as a regular podcast. So if you can't listen at the time, you can download it like any other show and uh, get all the details. But I just wanted to give the pre-announcement today so that you can start thinking about it. We're going to have people write short stories, submit them, and somehow choose a winner. Excellent. We have a good prize for it. I'll mention the prize next week on the live show as well, and uh, I think it should be really fun. We'll probably read some of them on future podcasts, maybe a dramatic reading between the two of us. Who knows? That'd be, uh, well, 
if dramatic. You, if you want to read your own and send in the file, oh, you know what? Like Audible. That's right. Just like Audible. That'd be so, fun. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool. I hope people enter it. It will be fun. It's not going to be long stories, just short ones. There will be a limit on the number of words. Oh, goodness. It'd be, I, it would really be horrible if we had to fake it and write all the stories ourselves. Eey, we don't want to do Nobody that. wants that. No, nobody I wants don't want that. that. You don't want that. You listeners, you definitely don't want that. Believe me. So everybody... When, when, you know, next week when we give you the details, we want some stories. Well, I'm not going to say any more. The details will come next week. So I think it should be really, really fun. All right. Let's move right along, shall we? Uh, move along. Next week. Oh, that's the wrong file. Oh, no, that's not good. That's not next the right week. file. No, that's not so not right. <laughs> oh, that's so upsetting. This is the one we want. The Walking Dead News. You go away next week on The Walking Dead. As we all know, there's no next week well, on The Walking Dead. When was Dead. the last time we actually played that? I, it's, I don't know. Anyway. I just I misclicked. I'm sorry. Uh, the Walking Dead News. Quickly, the ratings for last week's episode, This Sorrowful Life, came in at 10.9 million. Oh, uh, healthy, healthy ratings? Yeah, but a little low for The Walking Dead. Still healthy. Recently. On, yeah, yeah, still healthy. In the we, grand scheme of things, I really still don't know 11 million people. So oh, yeah. that's a lot. Not even close. Well, you don't know 12.4 million either, and that's how many watched last night's season finale. That's a lot. We have those numbers already. And of those 12.4 million, 1.8 million of them were in the key 18 to 49 demographic. So uh, that's good. That is good. And that makes it the number one program for the night, the number one program on TV for the week, and the number one program on TV for the broadcast season. The broadcast season. Yeah, I guess that's sort of fall to spring. So uh, number one is is where it's at. In With a bullet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good on The Walking Dead. They finished strong and, uh, you know, like there was ever any question, really. That's great. <clears throat> so there you go. Uh, okay, we're going to do some listener feedback for this sorrowful life before we get into the season finale recap. Listener feedback. All right. Don't need this anymore. Okay. This call comes from Catherine in Texas. Now, I should say I believe this is Catherine in Texas. She didn't say her name in this call, but I went back to previous calls, and I believe this is the same person that has said her name before. So everybody remember, when you call in, please let us know who you are and where you're from. It's very helpful. Or Chris will have to try and figure it out. Or, that's right, I might have to start stalking you and try to figure out well, I don't know about stalking. It's investigating past calls. Good, investigating. Stalking is like way different. Stalking would be finding out where she lives, showing up there and asking her if this is her call. That won't happen. No. That will not happen. I just want to be clear about that. All right, here we go. I think this is Catherine in Texas. Hi, I wanted to leave a comment about this sorrowful life and the whole Maggie and Glenn proposal storyline. I thought that whole thing was kind of weird and how Glenn came to Herschel. And I thought the purpose of him coming to Herschel was to ask him to officiate the ceremony because they had already shown him reading the Bible, and which we had never seen in the series before, as far as I know. And it was weird that the conclusion of that conversation was Herschel telling Glenn, I give you my blessing, because I thought, I feel like we kind of already knew that as an audience. That's what the whole pocket watch was for from season two. But I don't know. It was weird. And then he 
the way he proposed to her, he like kissed her and put a ring in her hand and and it's like that's not a proposal. It's I guess after the zombie apocalypse you don't have to ask, you just hand the girl a ring. So I don't know if you're still doing your segment. I mean, come on. But that's how I felt about it. Was I mean, come on. Just propose. <laughs> just ask her. Um, I mean I know it's it's a gesture more than anything and that's kind of what Glenn Puma just said. But, um, yeah, I just thought the whole thing was kind of silly. And great job on the podcast, guys. Thank you. So we should bring back, I mean, come on. We should. <laughs> That's a good segment. We only did it, like, the one time, though. That's right. Um, so, yeah, awkward proposal. We all kind of knew it was a bit awkward. Glenn, I guess, just didn't feel words were necessary at the time. At the time. But, you know, cutting off a dead lady's fingers in order to get at a ring, that was necessary at the time. I well, he needed a ring. What else is he going to do? Yeah, I guess all the pawn shops are closed, and there's no jewelry stores kicking around and near a prison. Yeah, hard, <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's just too tempting for the criminals. Yes. Uh, all righty, this call comes from Ryan in Clarksville. Hi, Chris, Jason. This is Ryan from Clarksville calling back. Sorry for my very long-winded uh, call earlier. There, I'll go ahead and uh, summarize my point a little bit better. Um, I wanted to say that I like the the kind of point that they have on Daryl, which is it's a little bit of a flip from everybody else, where as you see people like the governor, you see people like Andrea, and you see people like Rick, who become a little more hardened, a little more brutal, a little bit more uh, vicious. Um, and you have people like Herschel, who kind of stay more firmly grounded in what they believe, whereas, you know, he's very religious and he, he sticks to that. But with Daryl, it seems to be the, the, the point that's very different with him is while everyone's becoming more brutal, he seems to be becoming more, I, I, I guess, his, his hardened shell is softening. And he's realizing, he even has the point at one point uh, in the most previous episode, that you can't do things on your own anymore. You, you've got to do things with people now. And I think that it, it, it's a point that I, I really appreciate with him, is that when you have these people that try and be tough and, you know, they try and say, oh, I'm a badass, it, it's really just for show. And he, he's come to the point where he realizes there's really no one he has left to prove to me. I mean, he, he, there's no one, there's nothing he has to prove anymore. It's all about survival. And when it comes to that point, accepting that you need other people is very important. And I, I basically, I love the Dixon brothers. And uh, once it came down to the end of the episode, I, I, I actually questioned... Uh, you know, where'd all this dust come from and how to get my eyes? You know, I, I miss the, I miss Merle and I love, I love Daryl and, uh, if Daryl dies, we riot. Uh, love the show guys and keep doing what you're doing. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks Ryan. So I think his point about most of the characters sort of harden on this show mm -hmm. and become more intense and more, uh, you know, less welcoming and friendly. Daryl's a little bit the opposite. He already was hard. And he's softening up because of all this. A little bit, yeah. He's learning to appreciate other people in a way he never did or could before. And I think it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition of different character types on it the is, show. It is, it is. Especially with uh, Daryl. <clears throat> um, also, this email from Paul about uh, the Dixon brothers, he said, just wanted to say that the conclusion of the Merle 
and Daryl's storyline has left me both depressed and satisfying, in the same way that Sophia in the Barn did last season. It's amazing that a character as initially initially one-dimensional as Merle was capable of producing one of the most emotionally impactful moments of the series, and it's a big credit to all involved. True. People really loved, uh, loved that scene from last week. I mean, I did too. You know, it was pretty well done, and it was. Uh, it didn't feel repetitive, even though it's the kind of thing we've seen a couple times on the show now. I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I also. I also thought it was uh, really well done, and it's too bad that we had to have to have uh, a, re- a character's redemption, you know, coupled with their death. It does seem to happen. It's, it's kind of cliche, but it was. It was nice. It was still. Uh, it was still a nice scene. A nice. Uh, nice end of that episode. Uh, All righty, we got one more call here. Casey in Florida. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Casey from Florida. I just really want to bring up one thing that's been really bothering me ever since I got to the prison. So, and it really accentuated in this episode. So Glenn feels it's perfectly okay to go down to the the fence, attract a walker over, snatch snatch an engagement ring to give to Maggie. When they could use this exact same strategy to attract a zombie to the fence, use one, any of the myriad knives and swords and whatever that they have at their disposal, and just kill it. And you may think, well, wait, hey, maybe they never thought of this strategy. Rick shows this exact same strategy, this chain, in season two, constriving the insane that they don't use this incredibly effective strategy to clear this entire prison and take a hugely major problem off their hands. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out because it's been driving me nuts. And uh, like the podcast, keep doing it. Good job, guys. Yeah, so they've sort of done this in the show. They've done it in the comic, if you've read the comic book. And they've kind of done it in the show. We do see them poking zombie heads through the fence once in a while. But I kind of agree. Like, why wouldn't they just put out a concerted effort, lure the zombies over to the fence, and start stabbing eyeballs? I think it's uh, it's a matter of risk versus versus reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you, I mean, there is a small risk that uh, you'll get bit or scratched or something while you're doing that. And, you know, is it really worth it? You know, having zombies milling about, not really doing anything, not causing any damage, and, uh, you know, maybe even uh, holding stragglers at bay. Like, somebody would probably not come near that prison because it's, they assume that since there's stragglers around the, around the prison that the, or sorry, zombies around the prison, that it's full of zombies. So maybe it's kind of keeping other people away. And uh, it's probably also mind-numbingly boring to do that on a regular basis. And they got better things to do, like, uh, you know, tearing apart uh, mattresses looking for drugs. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. Um, I I do like the concept that, or the idea that the zombies there provide a little bit of protection, basically. Like, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, it's like a moat, a zombie moat. A zombie moat, yeah, that's correct. So there you go. And uh, in the uh, the comic book when they did this, uh, the zombie heads in the comic book were a lot harder uh, so they had um, troubles stabbing zombie heads through the fence. A knife would get stuck, and then the zombie would fall back, and you'd end up losing the knife. Yeah. So you'd need some sort of board so that it wouldn't be able to go through the fence, right? Yeah. Uh, they I don't have that problem here. I think Glenn learned that in the comic yeah. the first time he tried. But no, they don't have that problem on the show. Now all you do is you touch a zombie head with the end of a knife, and it automatically just drives itself through the skull. <laughs> That's right. It's a, it's, an, it's a knife-attracting skull. It's getting easier and easier. Yeah. Aaron wrote this email. Uh, he said, Glenn's zombie ring proposal may be the most awesome fictional engagement since Homer made Marge an onion ring proposal. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I forgot all about the onion yeah. ring proposal. <laughs> and finally, Justin in Singapore wrote this in about zombies losing weight and or their pants. 
He said people lose weight because of their metabolism, thyroid, insulin, and other hormones. Metabolism is directly related to your heartbeat. Walkers don't have a heartbeat. Thus, they would not lose weight like a normal human, regardless of how much or little they ate. Almost all bodily functions shut down besides the brain in a walker. A walker would not lose weight, and is totally, it's totally reasonable to think a fat person would be a fat zombie one year after the apocalypse. Huh, that's true. So this is a response to our caller last week who said that there'd be a whole bunch of pantless zombies walking around, and I thought that was hilarious. And I agreed with that, and now yeah. I'm agreeing with this. I'm sorry, who from Singapore? Justin. Justin? Uh, Justin, I, uh, I've been to Singapore three times, and uh, I loved it every time. Uh, three times? Three times. Wow. 97, 2000, and 2001. Wow. Good times. Saw the world, the biggest bat I ever saw in my whole life in Singapore. Real live bat? Real live bat. It was, was it, the size of a cat. Was it sitting on your shoulder? No, I was hanging from a branch, and I turned around, and this thing, it was huge. Did it frighten you? It, it was big. <laughs> <laughs> big things frighten you? I, w- I was surprised more than frightened. Okay. <laughs> you didn't run away screaming like a little girl. No, no. Okay. no. I might have. Bats, Big bats freak me out. I've seen them at the zoo, and they're creepy. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. All right, thanks everyone for writing in. Now it's time to do our recap of this week's episode. Welcome to the tombs. I think oh. uh, Larrick was in a tomb when he wrote Sounded like it. read that one. Some kind of vault. <laughs> That's right. So we begin. We pull out, the camera pulls out from the governor's eye. It's very losty and very open. losty, very losty uh, beginning and ending. The uh, the series finale started that way too. Uh, okay, yeah, that's right. Both Jack or Jack both times. Jack both times. That's right. But it, it, that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, it's Lost. Yeah, or they're taking a page from Lost. Uh, so we the camera pulls back and we get a shot of his face and he's punching somebody, and we're looking at the governor from the person's viewpoint. Point the punchy view. cam. The <laughs> that's right. Um, now, did you, who did you think this was that we were viewing the governors from? Uh, I didn't know at first. Well, obviously, it, you know, became apparent as time went on, but I, you know, I just suspended my disbelief and didn't try and figure it out because I knew it was the, the person that set fire to the, uh, the zombies. Right. Okay. Obviously, I think most people's first thought is, oh, this is Andrea. He's beating up on Andrea. No, I didn't think that. Hmm. Well, if you were paying attention, you'd notice that the room was different, too. You could see the room behind the governor, and it was not the same room she was in. So. I noticed the room. I didn't notice that it was uh, uh, different, but I did notice that there was a room. It might have actually been the room he held. I think it was, in fact, the room that he held Glenn in. Andrea was next door in the Maggie room. Right. So it's not her, though, of course. Very soon we hear a voice, and it's Milton's. And the governor is beating him up for burning the walkers, and uh, he's blaming him, too, for all of the men who have died so far. Eight men. Eight or twelve, I thought he said. I don't remember. Either way, it's a lot of He didn't say uh, eight? Did he say eight later on? I don't know. I think he said twelve, but... He said a number. He said eight. It may or may not have been single digits. The most important thing here is he's... Punching Milton repeatedly in the face. Oh yeah, for uh, for burning the walkers, and he's blaming him for the deaths of his men. Um, but he says that this is uh, you know you sort of survive in this world. You shouldn't feel bad about seeing a threat and ending it. You kill or you die, is what he says. It was also a very lost type statement. Well, yeah, you uh, live together, die alone. That's right. Yeah. Right. I was expecting that line like six times in this uh, this season. Right, because it, it's kind of appropriate. Yeah. You know, you live together, you die alone. 
You know, it could have been said by any number of people throughout the season. It could have. Well, we we came close here. You kill, you die. And it's not really over yet because it gets longer in the next scene. But first, Milton asks, what would Penny think about, you know, uh, what the governor is or has become? And he says that she'd be afraid of me. He acknowledges that, but that if he was like this all along, she'd still be alive. Mm. So it would have been a trade-off. So the governor takes him into the other room after Milton asks if he killed Andrea. He takes him there to see Andrea, and he tells Milton to go and get the torture, the tools, his torture tools, from the desk behind her. And, of course, he spills them all when he's trying to pick them up because he's just taken a beating. He's very shaky. He's very shaky. And uh, he leaves some pliers on the floor for Andrea behind the chair, unbeknownst to the governor. Very sneaky in the in the lee of the chair outside of his visual range. That's right. Uh, it sort of struck me that why wouldn't the governor just walk over there and pick up the tools or you know make sure he, Milton's not doing something sneaky? But he didn't. Never let a prisoner behind you. To do that, he would have to at least put one person behind him, mm. either Andrea or uh, Milton. Right. Okay. So that's why you get Milton to do it. You never let somebody out of your sight. Even when they're handcuffed to a chair, I guess you just got to well, follow the rules. Apparently, she, he, you know, he's left her in this room by herself for God knows how long. The last time he saw her, she was handcuffed to the chair. He's not entirely sure this time. He may not know. That's a very good point. He may not know. Yeah. So uh, the governor um, the governor then tells Milton to kill Andrea, and he gives him a knife. He says, you got to stab her. You're going to do this. You're not leaving this room until she's dead. Yeah. Uh, Milton takes the knife approaches Andrea, but then swings around and tries to stab the governor. Yeah, I figured that would happen. I didn't think he'd wait that long to turn around. Well, the problem is it, it, it took him too long. I mean, if he had just taken the knife and immediately, without hesitation, tried to stab him, he probably would have got at least one stab in, which yeah. might have just been enough, right? Yep. But the governor's invincible, so he, he subdues Milton again, turns the knife back on him and stabs him repeatedly. It's a different knife. I thought the governor had a different knife than uh, than Milton. Oh, he might have, but I got the idea he kind of parried the knife blow and, you know, Milton's oh, yeah. a weak okay. little man, sort of yep. turned it around on himself and That's true. stabbed Milton. I just assumed that he also had a knife because why would you give a man a knife if you didn't have a knife? Especially in this scenario. Yeah. It's not like, here, do you want to borrow my knife? <laughs> uh, here, take this. Leave me unarmed. Go stab her. Or me, and then, either way. And then just give it back, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. he was expecting it. Yeah, well, yeah, of course he was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Milton ends up being stabbed multiple times here, and the governor tells him that, see, he's going to do it anyway. He's going to die, he's going to turn, and then tear the flesh from her bones. Yep. He is evil. And now is where he finishes his uh, his little sentence. He says, you kill or you die, or you die and then you kill. <laughs> either way. <laughs> yeah, either way. That's, uh, you know, it's just, it's unavoidable. Just so that, because uh, A causes B doesn't mean that A has to happen before B. I suppose that's true. You kill your die or you die and you kill. Yeah. And we go to the opening credits. When we come back, we get a few shots of the prison. So wait, let's uh, let's step back here. So what the what, what the governor did here was he set up a uh, he set up something in motion that is going to kill the one of the protagonists. Yes, right, and then just closes the door and assumes that it happens. 
Correct. Okay, so this is a uh, a very typical bad guy trope that has been mocked in many a movie and television show in the past, and yet they did it here anyway. Yes, it's a supervillain uh, approach. It's a James Bond supervillain approach where, yeah, you set up some elaborate scheme and then just assume it all goes, you know, according to plan. Yeah. It would, you know, my favorite mocking of this was in Austin Powers when Scotty says, you know, why why set it up and just, uh, you know, leave it to happen? Let's just kill him. I'll get my gun. We'll do it together. Right. Yeah. Just, what, why? Anyway. Well. It's just a, it's, it was a, you know, I even actually said out loud, seriously, they're going to they're gonna leave the, uh, to the opening credits with this trope? Mm-hmm. It's well. Kinda, it, anyway, it kind of annoyed me. It's done for dramatic tension, obviously, you know. Uh. Or just silliness. I'm not sure. Maybe lazy writing. He did this with Merle, right? He killed Merle, but he didn't shoot him in the head or anything. He let him be a zombie. Right, but I think that was him sort of punishing Merle. He's like, I'll kill you, but I'm not going to double kill you. So at least they set a precedent for it, is all I'm thinking. It's not the same thing with Merle, though. Like, he killed Merle. If he had, uh, I don't know, if he'd, he'd set up some elaborate plan or he let someone else or he instructed someone else to kill Merle and then just sort of left and didn't, you know, check up on it. That would be a similar, I think. He actually killed Merle, though. You know, he didn't go for any weird, wacky, crazy plan. That's true. Anyway, this made me a little sad. Uh, sure. Sad. Uh, disappointed. Sad. Disappointed. I understand. <laughs> Not sad for Milton. Well, he's sad for Milton. He got stabbed and then, you know, after he was beaten up repeatedly. So I was thinking at this point, because I think I said in the past week that I really hoped Milton would survive. I, I liked, was hoping so, too. I liked Milton. But it doesn't look good for him at this point. And uh, he's not dead yet, officially, but he is slumped to the floor. And he had been stabbed multiple times, probably in the stomach area. So it's not looking good for poor Milt. So we had, uh, we liked Milton, and, he, and we had his redemption. He, you know, tried to save the group by burning the zombies, and therefore has to die. And therefore has to die. They follow the pattern. They do. All righty. So after the credits, we come back to some shots of the prison. People are packing up. We see Carl with the uh, picture from the cafe that he got and his dad's sheriff badge. He's putting it all into a bag. We see Carol and Herschel loading bags as well. Outside, uh, Rick tries to talk to Carl, but Carl just shrugs him off. He's very mad. And Glenn says he's never seen Carl so mad. And uh, Rick reminds him that he's still a kid, and that's easy to forget. True. Kids get mad sometimes. What's he mad about? Uh, We'll get to it, but anyway, I was curious. Yeah. What's he so mad at? He's just pissed. Now, Rick looks up to the bridge, and he sees pregnant Lori, uh, pregnant ghost Lori, I should say, standing there once again. Apparitional pregnant Lori. That's her, rubbing that pregnant belly. Um, Back inside the prison... Uh, it's Rick is there with Michonne now, and she forgives him for considering the deal that the governor offered. That's nice of her. It is. You'd think maybe she'd be a little more upset about that, but she she says, I understand you, you had to consider it. You had to evaluate all the options. And Rick apologizes to her for coming close, and uh, and Michonne ultimately thanks him for taking her in when she first arrived at the prison. That's nice. So they're... Clearly on pretty good terms these days, even after, you know, what just happened. <laughs> yeah, so, so. That, it's nice. He, he, you know, she says, thank you. He says, you're in, you're one of us now. It's all settled, it's done and done. And he says it was Carl's call to let her become one of them. And uh, I don't know, 
I don't know if that really means anything to to Michonne other than, you know, she went on that little run with Carl, so she probably already feels kind of close to him. Um, We cut over to Woodbury, and the governor is rallying his troops for the attack on the prison. Uh, Just as they're about to go, Tyrese speaks up and says that he won't be part of it. Yeah. Which is a little odd at this point. Maybe not odd, because Tyrese has seemed a little reluctant the whole time, but... um, he also did earlier in an earlier episode say, you know, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll do our part. You know, we'll help out with this fight you've got going on with these other people and so on. So something has changed for Tyrese here. He's decided that now he wants no part of it. Um, and uh, instead, uh, he says that Sasha and him will stay there and defend the children. So the governor gives him a big gun with a scope and says, thank you. Takes takes it away from somebody else. Yeah, I thought of that too. It makes no sense. It's probably this guy's favorite weapon. He's like, I'm the sniper. I love this thing. I finally got this thing. I've been practicing practicing with this thing for like six weeks. I'm so excited to finally get to use this in, in battle of some kind. Oh. You know, it's against people, but uh, you know, you got you got to do what you got to do. And then the governor takes it away and gives it to somebody else. Like, oh. Well, not only all of that, but this guy is actually going to get on the truck and about to go out to fight a battle. And he needs that gun, doesn't he? Now he has well, no I, weapon. I'm sure there's another one somewhere or a baseball bat or a crowbar or a board with a nail in it. I'm sure he'll, <laughs> uh, he'll find something. I guess, but it didn't seem to make sense. It's like, let the guy have his gun. Come on. <clears throat> so we cut to the prison and the governor and his crew are arriving. They pull into the prison yard. They uh, uh, Martinez has a grenade launcher, or whatever that thing is. Is that a grenade launcher? Uh, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Some sort of explosive propelling device, and he fires grenades at the prison towers and, ex- and blows them up, in case there's anybody up there, Explody. I guess. Yep. And everybody opens up. Uh, everybody just opens fire and they just mow down all the yard walkers uh, with a, a lot of heavy artillery. They, um, it's not heavy artillery. Well, artillery is an, an actual like emplaced, uh, you know, big gun with like a, a 105 millimeter howitzer or something like that. Well, they had some pretty big guns mounted on they, the back they had of a, cars. had you know, a machine gun. That's not, that's not heavy artillery no artillery is a specific (laughs) word for uh, something called artillery all right so it's heavy weaponry uh yeah (coughs) a a general purpose machine machine gun okay well i wouldn't want to be in its path it was hitting some zombies and it was like exploding oh yeah no it's not a good thing it's just not artillery i'm sorry all right fine stickler for military terminology well yeah this one i know because i was part of an artillery regiment when i was in the reserves back when i was 17 those were the days eh? yeah Okay, well, anyways, they take out all the walkers. They t- they've just destroyed the walker moat all at once. There you go. And See, this is why they left the walkers. So, why bother? The governor's going to come and shoot them all anyway. I guess so. He's going to waste a lot of ammunition taking out those walkers. That's the way I felt about this. Yeah. But they hop out of the trucks, and on foot, they make their way into the inner prison yard and then inside the prison. In there... They find it pretty much deserted. Everybody mm-hmm. goes. Nobody's around. Yeah, it looks like it. Everybody they, goes they inside. Just, uh, you know, the uh, the Humvee that they had uh, ran over something, and it blew the, f- the two tires, mm-hmm. two front tires. Mm-hmm. And then everybody got off all the vehicles, and everybody went inside. They didn't leave anybody outside at all. It doesn't make sense to not leave a, a scout or a lookout out there. Right? Leave somebody on the machine gun to, you know, overwatch. Something. I guess. Yeah. 
Well, and they were all bunched up too. It's just I had so many problems with this. Like spread out a little bit here. You don't want to get all bunched up. <laughs> Let's just stay in a big group and yeah. maybe, you know. That maybe. way if somebody's going to shoot at us, we're all together and we're easy to hit from uh, people changing slightly from what they're aiming at. They can hit somebody else. Yeah. Well, you spread out a little bit, maybe attack from two sides of the prison at the same time. Nah, that'd be crazy. That would that would be too easy. Come on. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. They, there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of problems with this assault on the prison. But they're inside now, and they find it deserted. And as they're looking around, the governor uh, finds a Bible that has been left open with a verse highlighted. Yeah. And I didn't write down the verse. No. But I meant to. It was near the back. <laughs> it was probably Revelation somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. It was near the back, yes. <laughs> that doesn't help me that's remember all, what it said. That's all I got. <laughs> um, I think we are supposed to impl- infer that Herschel left this Bible there for someone to find. Yeah. I think the general gist of this uh, verse was, if you do good things and you die, and you, go to, you go to heaven. If you do bad things, you die, you go to hell. Well, I guess he just needs to remind the governor of that. Yeah. Then again, everybody in this show has done bad things, so good luck with that. Well, well for a good cause. Oh, sure. Except for the governor is doing bad things for a bad cause. I guess so. He for, Yeah. He, well, he, he may not even believe that, though. He's trying to protect his people. No matter what you believe. For now. It's <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> uh, all right. He, they decide to split up. The, governor is, and the governor's crew decides to split up and go into two groups to search. The governor leads one group down into the tombs. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the tombs. Welcome. So, Stay a while. <coughs> Stay forever. Oh, what game is that from? Uh, Impossible Mission. Oh, yeah. Such an awesome game. Though that was also good times. <laughs> Did you ever solve that one, the one level? I the don't know. The puzzles? I don't think I ever solved it. It's been an awfully long time since I played it. I wonder if you I can get that it. on an emulator somewhere. I'm going to look that up. Probably. It probably exists for iOS and Android now. All right, okay. And if it does, I'm getting it totally. Yeah. Uh, okay, we go, they enter the tombs, we cut back to Milton and Andrea. Milton is still dying on the floor, and he tells her about the pliers that are on the floor behind her, and he says that uh, when she gets free, she has to find something sharp and stab him in the head. That's what she's going to do. Yeah, notice his says. voice was very low uh-huh. at this time, it was, it was neat. It was neat, he was deteriorating quickly, and she's still handcuffed to that chair. We go to a commercial, we come back, the governor and his team are in the tombs, it's dark, they're looking around, they've got flashlights, and then they hear some noises, it sounds like, kind of above them, sort of doors moving maybe, some banging noises. Something. And the governor decides to follow those noises. Why not? Well, You're in an enclosed space, all grouped together. Sure. Follow the noises. Go to the noises. What else are you going <laughs> to yeah. do? Yeah. We cut over to Woodbury, and Tyrese and Sasha are watching the old folks and and children all in a room there. And they're talking about how they'll probably have to leave when the governor comes back. Sneak out. Yeah, that's right, sneak out. Now, this scene seemed a little weird, because Tyrese comes in, and Sasha says, okay, you know, I'll go take a watch. And then they have this little conversation. And then all of a sudden, Tyrese is like, no, I gotta go, as if he sort of has to go do something. But then... And she seems sort of weirded out by that, and then he leaves, and we don't really see him go do anything. So I he wasn't... had to go to the bathroom. Maybe that's just <laughs> cue for, uh, I got to take a whiz. <laughs> you stay here. I and, really got to take a dump. Yeah, she knows him so well that uh, that's fine. Yeah, maybe. Go do what you got to do, pal. The whole thing seemed a little awkward, though. Like, they were having this conversation, then all of a sudden he's like, no, I got it. I'm going back out there sort of thing. So, oh, I got to go. I didn't... <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't quite understand it. Uh, but anyways, that they were watching the, the uh, remaining citizens of Woodbury. That's, that's the main thing. All huddled together. Yep, all in one room. Again, these people like to live in clumps. They like to bunch up. We go back to Andrea and Milton. Andrea finally has the pliers now. And Milton is pretty non-responsive for a while. You think maybe he's dead, but then he breathes and he's still alive. All right. He asks uh, why she stayed at Woodbury, even after finding about, out about her friends. And uh, she says she wanted to save everybody, even the governor. Yeah, she, she just, just wanted, she didn't want anybody to die. No, exactly. And uh, she, yeah, she tried to stop it another way than, than through violence and killing. It's unfortunate because uh, the governor started this whole episode off by uh, you kill or you die. That's right. But Andrea doesn't subscribe to his newsletter, and she wants to save no. people by by other ways. And uh, there's a pause, and then Milton says, I'm still here. Don't worry, but you need to hurry. What the hell are you waiting for? Yeah. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah. Can't you pick up pliers and talk to me at the same time? Like, seriously? And the way he delivered those lines was amazing, though. It was. Like, very, very creepy, very, like, on death's door. And uh, I thought I thought Dallas Roberts did a, did a fine job in general, even though all oh, he yeah. had to do was sit on the floor and pretend like he was dying. I thought he did a fine That's job. That's not all the episode. easiest thing in the world no, to do. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying he did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are back then with the governor in the tombs. And suddenly some small fireworks... Uh, start going off? Were they fireworks? Flashbangs. Flashbangs? Or smoke grenades. Might have been tear gas. I don't know if it was any of those things. To me, it felt like little cherry bombs, like little fireworks or something, but I'm not... Pew, 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 pew. Somebody yelling, pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Just enough to cause some smoke, some banging. But then there were the uh, sort of red emergency lights going on and off, too. Yeah, they turned those on. So, I don't know. Anyways, it was loud. There was... It was confusing. It was scary. Exactly. <clears throat> Panic closed space. You know they're from uh, uh, Woodbury, which is nice and open, and they can go in and out of doors whenever they want. Now they're in this enclosed prison space, and uh, all of a sudden, oh my god, loud noises! Let's get the hell out of here. Right. So they panic and run outside. Felt like they were outside way too easily, considering they were down in the tombs. Like suddenly they knew exactly where to go to get outside. Yeah, because it was you know panic cut everybody running outside. I was like, what? How did they get out there so quick? But they did, and Glenn and Maggie are waiting on the bridge to start shooting. Yeah, all decked out in their uh, riot gear. Full-on riot gear. It was pretty cool. Um, The governor and his people now are caught in the open, and uh, they're being shot at. None of them are really being hit, but they're being shot at, so it must be pretty intense. Again, they're just scaring them. They're not really aiming to kill anybody, necessarily. I think that they're trying to panic them. Oh, no. I think Glenn and Maggie were trying to kill them. They just weren't hitting anybody. You know, know. they want to they take these people out. Uh, but the governor's people, they, they run for their vehicles, and uh, they all jump in and drive the hell out of there. See ya. Basically retreated. The, uh, the one guy jumped onto the, uh, the Humvee with the machine gun, uh, but it was jammed, so they couldn't use it. So they, did, they just abandoned it and got the heck out of there. That was Alan. He yeah. couldn't get the gun to fire anymore. So now, yeah. if they had left somebody there, this wouldn't have been a situation. Uh, no, I guess so. The gun might have still jammed, but you'd think if he was there, he could have maintained it a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he, was Alan on the gun before? Yes. Okay. So you, does anybody know how to use these things? 
Uh, Does the jam, you try and clear the jam, you know, training them how to clear a jam? I don't know. Presumably Alan knew how to get it going to begin with because he fired it an awful lot. And then, you know, earlier on, he was like the first one in the prison door too. So he uh, he had a big role, Alan, for a little while. But uh, yeah, so he couldn't get the gun going. They jump in their cars and they drive off out of there. I blame their training. It probably was training. Most of these people are not soldiers. They are not soldiers. Not familiar with weaponry. Uh, we see Herschel, Carl, and Beth in the forest. They can hear the gunfire happening. Uh, but we see them, and one of the governor's younger soldiers is running through the forest, running away. I guess he didn't get on one of the vehicles. And uh, he has a shotgun or a rifle of some kind. It was a shotgun. Was it? And so they ask him to drop it. He sort of says he will, but then doesn't. He, he kind of reaches down and says, here, take it from me. Yeah. And he starts taking a couple of steps towards uh, uh, Carl. Who has his gun raised at him and then shoots him and kills him. Yeah. And this is why Carl's so mad, because his dad won't let him stay at the prison. Yes. Because he's like, no, you got to go hide with the uh, the old lame people and, and the children. <laughs> That's right. Because what are you good for, son? <laughs> so, but Carl kills him. Cold blood just shoots him down. <clears throat> We go to commercial, and when we come back, we are with Team Prison. They're talking about going after the Woodbury folks to finish the fight instead of just laying back and thinking, ah, everything's fine now. Um, Inside the prison, everyone is now back, including the people from the forest, and Carl tells Rick about killing the kid. Carl says that he drew on them, and that's why he had to shoot him, but Herschel says no. Uh, No. Carl just shot him down, and at first Rick doesn't believe him, but Herschel raises his voice and gets Rick's attention. Yeah. And says, your son shot him down. Yeah. Um, the governor's crew driving back down the highway, he pulls ahead of the convoy and stops them all. They all sort of get out, and he's like, what the hell happened back there? We got to get back in there and keep going on this fight. Uh, now, I didn't, on my first watch, I didn't really pick up on the fact that all of the governor's men or army were retreating and he didn't want to do that no i noticed uh at when they were in the prison and everybody was fleeing and getting in the vehicles somebody said we have to stay yeah it might have been the governor but i got that uh the impression there that because they were he was trying to stop them from running away at, at some point like as they were running out of the prison they were he was trying to get control of them well i think it was when they were getting into the vehicles when they were retreating and yeah, somebody did say we have to stay, but I thought it was Martinez. I think it was Martinez. But then but then him and the governor hop in the truck anyways because I guess the rest of the people aren't listening and are just taken off. So yeah. No, I I kind of I think I figured out what was going on. Like at that time, it's hard, you know, just looking back now, but uh, at that time I think I knew that everybody was panicking and getting the f out of dodge and uh, the governor didn't want that to happen. But now, but it kind of looking looked, back on looking back on it, right? It kind of I kind of got the impression that he's like, okay, well, whatever, we're leaving, let's go. Yeah, I I had the feeling my first viewing that it was more they were all they realized they were in a bad situation. You know, the prison group had planned for this attack a little bit more than maybe they anticipated, and they were retreating to I don't know regroup and plan another assault. Um, and I and I my initial impression was that the governor was on board with this. He was like, okay, we're not going to win this. We need to, we need to get out of here and do something else. Um, but apparently that was not, ex- not what was happening at all because the governor stops them on the road and he gets out and he's, he's 
really upset about them leaving and not, you know, continuing the fight. Uh, so all his people say that we're not soldiers and they've decided they don't want any part of this because that was a slaughter back there, even yeah. though nobody was killed. <laughs> that well, that was I can, nobody was, well... Somebody must have gone down. I don't know that we saw anyone actually get killed. So they, Glenn and Maggie are like the worst shots ever? All these people come pouring out of a single door. You would think... They have, uh, you know, a crossfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a crossfire, but they have like a... Uh, a killed triangle or whatever it is. Right, so they're not on the bridge together. They were in different locations. Yeah, yeah, so they they were able to you know get at these this group of people coming out of a known single door. They knew where they were coming from, uh, and uh, they still managed to not shoot anybody. It seemed that way. Okay, so they they must have been just scaring people because you know by just by sheer chance they would have hit somebody. You know, if they had dropped a pile of rocks on the ground, they would have hit somebody. <laughs> Yeah, probably. You know, and, and rifles or uh, you know, or even submachine guns or whatever the heck they were using didn't feel like assault weapons. They were just, they were, anyway, uh, you point them in a general direction of a group of people, you're going to hit somebody. And they spray bullets all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're specifically trying not to hit somebody. Right, shooting at the ground, at their feet, stuff like that. Yeah, panicking them, getting mad. Well, maybe they didn't want to kill anybody. They just wanted to scare them off. This is not going to be an easy walk in the park. We're not afraid of you. Don't come here, or we're going to scare you I, again. I don't know how that makes any sense. I mean, especially considering Glenn's attitude to all of this. You know, he's always been, let's stay and fight. And after what happened to him and Maggie and Woodbury, you know, of all people, he'd probably be the, probably be the one that wants to kill them the most. Right. So I don't know if they were just trying to scare them or or they're just poor shots or they needed these people alive for a scene in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, on the highway, the governor, you know, is upset. Everyone's saying we don't want any part of this. He's starting to get really upset and he loses it and he starts shooting and he kills all of his own people. Yeah, he's he's good. He's got good aim. He never misses. Yeah. Especially those people. Now, it was pretty close range. Alan stands up to him at one point. But the governor just raises his gun and shoots Alan in the head. Yep. Alan never takes the opportunity to pull the trigger, even though his rifle is aimed at the governor. Well, he also didn't want that to happen. He was frightened and uh, wasn't sure of what's going on. He didn't think the governor was actually going to kill him. I know. Or he's just the worst shot in, in the world. It, it just poor reflexes. Yeah, a horrible you know? reflexes. Can't clear <laughs> a jam on a, on a uh, semi, or, uh, general purpose machine gun. Can't... Uh, Pull the trigger when somebody's starting to raise their weapon at yeah, you. Yeah, not even have the gun up already. Has raises it up. Yeah. So the governor kills everybody except for Martinez and the other guy. And the other guy. I I believe we are referring to him as the bowman or the the bowman, the bowman. Bow, bowman also works for bowman. Yes, yes, it is uh, man with bow. I don't know that we even know his name, but it's Martinez and him. Um. And uh, the governor starts walking around and putting bullets in everybody's head. So he's he doesn't want these people to turn into zombies. He's actually putting bullets in their head. And uh, one woman, though, survives by hiding underneath the body of somebody else. Well, it probably fell on her. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But that was fortuitous because she was able to hide under there. And uh, the governor, well, he might have shot her anyways, but he ran out of ammo uh, and then walks off. And her name was Karen, I think, right? I had trouble recalling her name, but I'm Sounds familiar. pretty sure it was Karen. Um, so then uh, the governor gets back in his truck. 
Martinez and the other guy kind of walk up and are like, uh, do we really want to get in the truck with this guy? <laughs> yeah. I would have I would have shot him. The governor, if I was me, if I was Martinez, I'd be like, uh, that guy, you know, he's I thought he was kind of weird before and a little bit uh, power hungry and such, but uh, he's batshit crazy now. He's shown his true colors, and while he's standing around shooting corpses in the head, why not just put one in his back? And uh, this seems like the kind of guy that I want to follow wherever he decides to go. Yeah. So let's get in the truck and go. Let's go. We'll see. Um, then they, uh, yeah, they get in there and they drive off. We go to Andrea and Milton. She is struggling with the pliers, trying to pick them up with her feet. And uh, it takes two tries to get them into her hand. She gets them almost there and she drops them. And Milton is totally non-responsive at this time until we see a shot of his fingers move a little yeah, bit. I have three problems with this scene. Okay, number one. Number problem one. number one. Oh my God, why take so long to have, like it was such a cheap suspense moment when she was struggling to get these thing, this thing in her toes, which really wasn't a hard task. I mean, seriously, how hard is it to pick up something with your toes? Well, maybe when you're under stress, it's a little harder, but yeah. Okay, so yeah, so she had to pick it up and then she almost got it to her hands. I'm like, oh, she drops it. It's going to be so annoying. And she dropped it, and it was so annoying. Uh, <laughs> I thought the scene took way too long. I didn't think it was ab- it was necessary in any way for this to be a suspenseful situation of her having to pick up an easy object with her toes to get him to her get it to her hand. Mm-hmm. So that was problem number one. Okay. Uh, well, it's not really a problem, but uh, my brother has prehensile toes; could pick up anything with his feet. <laughs> He'd probably end up juggling the damn thing with his feet. I'd like to see that. It's scary. Okay. And uh, so that's not really a problem. That's just like, my brother could do that. All right. Um, And the third thing was, uh, actually, it didn't happen yet. It's when she's trying to get out of the handcuffs with the pliers. Okay. Well, she, yeah. So um, she eventually gets them, but uh, we see Milton's hand move and we go to commercial. When we come back, Team Prison is getting ready to go. They've decided that they're going to go back and, you know, finish the fight, apparently. Uh, before they leave, though, Rick talks to Carl about killing the kid and what Herschel said. And Carl clearly has no remorse and says that he just attacked us. So why not kill him? You know, he deserves to die is pretty much what Carl was saying. And uh, he relates it to the walker that killed Dale. He says, remember, I didn't kill that walker. And then he killed Dale. And, of course, Rick says, this is not the same thing, you dumb kid. <laughs> and it's clearly not. No. Uh, but... Carl is young, and he doesn't see things the way, you know, a more mature adult person would. He reacts differently, as kids tend to do. Yeah, but he goes on with his logic, right? Like, he doesn't just say, you know, you didn't, you didn't kill a zombie. It's like you didn't kill the governor, and he, you know, all these... The thing is, uh, he's learned the lesson, you kill or you die. Uh-huh. So, uh, it. I thought the logic was, you know, from a kid's perspective, from a 12-year-old's perspective, I thought it was perfectly... Uh, rational. Yeah, I'm not saying I completely disagree with Carl. I mean, they've shown that nobody really trusts anybody anymore in this, and someone did just attack you and try to kill you, so, you know, you get what's coming. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't entirely disagree with Carl, but he's clearly sort of... He's stretching it. He's stretching it, and he's he's gone off... He's gone way far in one direction, when it comes to his attitude towards people and sort of what this zombie apocalypse has done to him. Well, he's also angry that he didn't get to participate in the fight. 
Right. Right. So he, he just, just wanted to do shoot he, something. He wanted to do something. He wanted to help protect the group, and this was his chance yeah. to do that. So his his logical brain probably was not quite there either, but it morphed into uh, an emotional response uh, and justified by, you know, kid logic. Right, exactly. The other thing he does here is he starts, you know, he, he starts telling his dad, he starts telling Rick that he's, you know, Rick hasn't really stepped up lately. He was in a room with the governor and he didn't kill him. Um, and then he says he let Andrew live and then Andrew killed mom. Yeah. I don't understand this scene at all or this 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 dialogue here. So Andrew of course was the guy, he was one of the prisoners. Um Rick locked him out of the prison with zombies yep. assuming he was dead. Andrew didn't die, came back and led some walkers into the prison. And did those walkers directly lead to Carl and Maggie and Lori getting stuck in that boiler room where she gave birth and then Carl had to kill her? I think so. Is that what he's getting at? I think that's what he's getting at. Okay. It, again, felt a little awkward. I mean, the, lo- the, the leap of logic that, you know, Andrew led the zombies here and therefore he killed mom. It's kid logic at best. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can trace cause and effect back to, you know, anything. If we hadn't have crawled out of the ocean and learned how to breathe air, none of this would have happened. Correlation does not equal causality, That's as they right. say, yeah. right? They, the events are related, but they're not. They Post, didn't. One didn't cause the other. Post hoc ergo propter hoc. Is that the same thing? Yeah. Uh, after it, therefore, because of it. It's there you a go. warning. Just because it happened before doesn't mean it caused it. Yeah. It it felt a little weird to me. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he's, he's sort of insulting his dad saying, you know, you're not up to this anymore. I could be a better leader than you. It's kind of what he was implying. That's true. This kind of, this, uh, this scene also reminded me of, uh, Battlestar Galactica. You remember, uh, when Apollo was testifying for Baltar when they were, he was on trial. I remember that. And he said, uh, you know, look, we're all doing this. You know, the, uh, uh, what's his name? It's a big guy that ran the battleship for the Battlestar. Adama? Adama. He did this. The president's done this. Everybody's doing this. Why are you blaming him? He's doing the same thing everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So this scene reminded me of that. It's just like, look, these things are happening, and you know this stuff causes this other stuff, and so I shot that guy So because you know, if I didn't, he could have caused trouble later on down the road. You never know. You never know. <clears throat> Before Carl gets up, he drops his dad's sheriff badge on the ground and walks away. So he's really rejecting his father at this point. He's 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 like, I no longer want to, you know, have anything to do with you. I don't want to look up to you. I don't want you to be sort of my mentor and role model anymore. You don't you don't think he dropped it by accident? No, I think Just he fell out of his pocket. I think he dropped it on the ground and was like, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. I'm I don't want to be the sheriff anymore. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't want to pretend to be a sheriff anymore. That's right. Uh, okay, so just Rick Michonne and Daryl decide to go and leave to attack the governor or finish the fight, as they said. Uh, They open the gate. Carol and Beth open the gate and help them leave. And Carol and Beth finally get a couple of really nice zombie kills. They sure do. She goes out. Carol goes out with a machete and hacks the face off of one. And Beth uses a long crowbar-y type thing right through the fence. Yeah. 
just like we were talking about earlier. Good times. It's good to see that. I, I don't think Beth, that might be Beth's first zombie kill in I, the series. That, that thought occurred to me as well. Maybe uh, maybe an enterprising listener will uh, have either information about that or uh, proof if they happen to go back and watch the entire series over the hiatus. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. I can't think of another actual zombie kill she's directly made. So good for Beth. Finally got uh, finally got some some action in there. Well, there's a big infographic, isn't there, about who killed what? Oh, there is. She I may not be on it, it though. No, but if she's not <laughs> on it, that says that she hasn't killed anybody. Right? There you go, number so, one. <laughs> so we'll go back to that. We'll do some research. One of many, I hope. So they're driving down the road, and they come across the governor's vehicles, all there now abandoned, and all of the dead bodies, of course, and a few straggler zombies. Um, they kill them, and they find Karen hiding in the truck. Yeah. The one lone survivor. And again, she does the, oh, not again, but not for her, but it was just one of those things. Why don't I jump up on the window as fast as possible and make myself a prime target and surprise them so that they may shoot me? Never surprise anybody in the zombie apocalypse. No, you start talking. The first thing you do is say, I'm in here, because that tells them right away they're not a zombie. Yes. Right? I'm in here. I'm going to put my hands up. And I'm going to slowly move out of the car. Let me come out of the car without you shooting me. Instead, bang on the window. Daryl's standing right in front of it, and he cowers a little bit. I'm surprised someone didn't turn around and pop her in the forehead. Yeah. Well, you know, the only other option would be to sneak out the other door, go around the vehicle, (laughs) jump out at Daryl, and say boo or something. And then you're dead. (laughs) Yeah. Then you're dead. Do not jump out at Daryl. Just dumbassery. Total. Total dumbassery. We go back to Andrea and Milton. She's still struggling with the pliers. Um, she stops to watch Milton for a while. Yeah. Just to make sure he's dead or not dead. But she's not doing anything. She just stops to watch That's him. That's her only form of entertainment at this point. He's like TV. He's like TV. Uh, but he has now turned and is starting to reanimate, starting to come back. She now starts struggling really fast. What's her plan with this? Uh, the pliers that she's working on here? Well, she's... Trying to get the handcuffs off somehow, and she manages to. She I manages. know, but that, that, that's another problem I have. But I'm just I'm wondering what her plan was because it looked like she was just hanging on the pliers and kind of poking at the chain. Like this is you know hardened steel that I assume for the pliers well, or for the uh, for the the handcuffs. You know she's got a better chance of unscrewing bolts on the chair. I know, and I was wondering that myself. Either she's trying to break the chain, maybe they're old rusty handcuffs. I don't know. But she manages to do it somehow. Maybe she unscrews something. Well, that was the comic relief of this whole thing, is that whatever she was doing worked. (laughs) Yes. Later on in the episode, you could see the handcuffs at least still around one of her wrists. So I think maybe, yeah, maybe she took the chair apart and was able to just slide it off. I don't know. know. It was weird. But she gets one hand out and one foot out. Um, But by then, Milton is attacking her. We cut to outside the the door and we hear the attack and some screaming and a thud um, from outside in the hallway. We don't actually see what took place in the room. Right. And we go to a commercial. There were a lot of commercials in this one. You think uh, so? Well, I have a hard time because I, I only watch from iTunes purchase. I never watch it live. Yeah. Well, just really quick before we come back from this commercial, it felt like there were more than usual, and I know for a fact there must have been, because AMC ran this episode five minutes overtime, oh, past 10 o'clock. Oh. 
so they put five extra minutes of ads in. That's like at least two extra commercial blocks. Drove me And it crazy. wasn't any longer because when uh, we watched this episode before this podcast, we watched it together, mm-hmm. and uh, it was 43 minutes. No, it was a standard episode with extra commercial breaks oh, in bastards. it. Oh, it, it pissed me off. And we got a number of people writing in saying, you know, holy crap, did you see all the extra commercials? Like, come on. So, I was actually hoping for a 90-minute episode. Yeah, no, I was hoping too. I, when it went five minutes over, I'm like, hey, maybe we're getting an extra half hour and no one told us. But no, it was just we got extra Sad. ads. Uh, so we come back from that commercial. Rick and the gang are approaching Woodbury on foot now. Tyrese takes a shot at them and they return fire. And then Karen, the survivor, calls to Tyrese and sort of yells out what happened. The governor killed everybody. And uh, she says Rick and the gang saved her, which they more just picked her up, but you know, they, they got her out of the situation, I guess. And uh, Rick uh, approaches Woodbury, the, approaches the gate with his hands up. She jumped up again. Did she jump up she again? She just jumped up again. Hey, it's me. Hey, it's me. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> she, these people aren't soldiers. They don't know. No, but to she be did careful. a really smart thing by staying still earlier. And she, you know, compounds that with jumping up at people with weapons twice. You know what, though? I think she yells out this time before she jumps up. She says, Tyrese, it's Karen. I'm, you know, I'm okay. They saved me. She's, anyway, she's got uh, impulse control issues. (laughs) Well, maybe. She's excited. She's worried. She's frightened. Why did they take her with them? Uh, because she's she's alive, and they she told them what happened there. She's Put, like, oh. keep her in the truck. We're gonna go shoot up this place. We got weapons. We don't trust you. You're a liability, and we're gonna go into a situation where you know the area. You could sneak off and tell somebody that we're coming, or any kind of any number of things. Mm-hmm. Lock her in a truck, or tie her up somewhere that the zombies are not gonna get her, and that she'll be safe. But leave her behind. No, I think Rick and the crew finally have sort of realized that these people aren't bad. It was just the governor that was bad, and he's clearly gone and done something horrible now. So, you know, this is our opportunity to save some lives. Great. Then they don't have to tie her up. Stay here. Well, fine. (laughs) Stay in the truck. We'll come back for you. Maybe they thought she'd be helpful in getting into Woodbury, you know? So they bring her with So they go to the front gate. So they go to the front gate, and Tyrese starts shooting at them. Luckily, Tyrese is a terrible shot, as we we know, because he barely missed hitting Rick as they walked up. Uh, But they approach, and Tyrese opens the gate. (laughs) He's the worst guard ever. Well, he totally is. He let Andrea go, and now the enemy shows up at the gates and is like, hey, it's us. Okay, opens the gate wide. Front (laughs) front gate of the place. Come on in. (laughs) Well, that's why Karen was there, because she said everyone's dead, governor killed us all. You know, we're not on his side anymore. Yeah, she couldn't be saying anything under duress. She's, you know, in the in the custody of three armed people that uh, uh, Tyrese knows as insane and unwelcoming, who is the enemy of uh, the encampment that he's at, and he said he would, you know, help protect this encampment from zombies or whatever, and the first thing he does without any, you know, Question or thought or anything is swings the main gate open wide. Come on in. What's going on? All right. I I understand you're saying that pretty much nothing in this episode made any sense. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but we're almost done here. Yeah, I don't don't know if I was saying that, but I I kind of agree with it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I took away from it. Rick says to Tyrese that Andrea might be there because apparently she was coming for the prison but never made it. 
So Tyrese takes them all into where Andrea is being held or where the governor holds people because Tyrese doesn't know Andrea is there. Who knows where this is? What? No, I'm wondering if Tyrese didn't know this was here. Well, Glenn knows where it is. Maggie knows where it is. They're not here. No, Rick and Daryl sort of do because they went in to re- rescue Glenn and Maggie, remember? Did they so, rescue them from this area? Yeah, it's the okay. same room. All right, okay. So That's they're good. like, if Andrea's here, she's going to be in that room, so let's all go there. Okay, good. Um, that makes sense. And of course, well, there you go, something. <laughs> all right. Of course, they find her there. They open the door. They find her inside. Milton is dead on the ground. Uh, but Andrea has been bitten in the neck. So yeah. Milton got his bite in before she took him out. Um, she Andrea is on the floor. She asks if the rest of the people are alive, and she's happy to find out that they are. And uh, she reiterates her desire that nobody died. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people died. That doesn't work. That didn't quite work, did it? Michonne is extremely upset, showing some true emotion. Uh, finally, and she's crying. And Andrea insists on killing herself on doing it herself because she's done for it. And uh, Rick gives his gun, gives her his gun, and then everybody but Michonne leaves the room. Michonne says she's not going anywhere. That's true. So the camera... she loves her so much. Absolutely. Uh, maybe they should have finished off this scene with an Andrea-Michonne kiss well, as I'm everyone not walked saying out that. of the... Just friends. They spent the, <laughs> the winter together. They were close. They were, even though they had their disagreement disagreements they're they're good now they helped each other they protected each other it's a, it's a friendly thing that they're going i'm not saying they should have hooked up <laughs> no but they might have well anyways, i wouldn't put it past them but too late for that now yeah. we're outside in the hall with everybody camera pulls back and after a little while we hear a gunshot so andrea is dead andrea the one person that i didn't think was going to be killed i didn't think andrea was going to be killed did i I don't know. I was hoping you wrote this down somewhere. I'm not that smart. <laughs> Didn't think it was Andrea. She is now dead after a bite from Milton. Well, we only heard the gunshot and assumed <laughs> that she's dead. Well, Michonne was there. I mean, she's dead. And Maybe Milton. she shot Michonne. Milton is dead. Milton is dead. That's too bad. I'm really, really upset about that. I didn't want him to die. When he got stabbed right at the beginning, I was like, ah, oh, crap. Milton's going to die. And that's it for him. There's no way for him to recover from this. And after he was stabbed, I kind of thought to myself, I hope they don't somehow save him because he was stabbed multiple times. There's no coming back from that without serious medical attention. Yeah. And he didn't. He died. Um, We're almost done. We cut over to sunrise now at the prison. It's a new day. And team prison drives back up, and they, they have a big school bus with them now, too. I'm like, where did they get that thing? Well, Woodbury obviously had it, but uh, they they drive in. The vehicles start to unload, and it turns out they've brought all the people from Woodbury, the elderly, the kids, everybody. And uh, Carl doesn't really understand, and he says to Rick, Dad, what is this? Yeah. And and Rick says, they're going to join us, and that's it. And Carl walks off in a huff. Or storms off to go do something. Uh, Well, that didn't really occur to me, but yeah, maybe. I mean, what's he going to do? I don't know, something. Sulk in his room for a while? No, it's going to be apparent next season, but uh, I got the feeling that he was like, okay, well, I'm going to go do this then. Okay. I just thought he was like, one more thing. Dad, I don't get you anymore. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. It could be. Um, Rick looks up at the bridge and no longer sees Ghost Lori. I think he's finally done with seeing his dead wife on the bridge. But I've kind of thought that before, so who knows what could happen in season four. (laughs) No more paychecks. Yeah. 
Uh, we get a few final shots of zombies in the field and one of the cross over, I'm going to say, Lori's grave. I would, I would think so. And we fade to black on season three. I thought that was, uh, was a nice shot of the, the music and the zombies and the sunrise and it seemed like a brand new day and the, you know, the zombies were coming up after a long night. <laughs> yeah. Say hello. I, I guess so, but, um. It was a nice ending uh, to a, a, in my opinion, lackluster episode. It was uh, it was uh, lacking luster, especially for a season finale. Especially for a season finale. If this was a mid middle of the season episode, maybe even a mid season finale, I might be a little give it a little bit more of a pass. But this was not season finale caliber. I don't think they, uh, you know, the ending of a season in a show that's been that's serialized like this has to have a logical and moral conclusion. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this had either. No. I, so I'll start with something I did like about this episode and um, the stuff between Andrea and Milton. The scene itself was kind of ill-conceived with the way she continually stopped trying to get the pliers to talk to him and just waste time. That was dumb. But the the interaction they had and the performances by the actors, I thought was actually very, very good. And in general, I found the scene pretty tense, especially when Milton wasn't responding and you don't know if he's dead or alive yet. I did feel the tension there. Did you? I did, for sure. And, you know, when Andrea and him were talking, I'm like, all right, now they're talking. That's fine. But when she was actually doing something and he, we didn't know if he was dead yet, I could feel that. And I think that was done okay it's just the problem was the way the whole thing was conceived you know him lying there and her not like trying as fast as she can to free herself yeah it, it, i was just like come on i know you need to have this dialogue and and i like it i think the conversation's good and i like i like what D- dallas robert's doing and i like what laurie uh, holden is doing i think they're they're delivering everything really well it's just like do this while she's struggling to get out you know or maybe put a little bit more panic in her she didn't seem to be panicking that much, yeah. and she should Focus. have been. Focus on what you're doing. He's going to be a zombie soon. Get the hell out of there. Oh, I, are you still there? Yeah, you still there? I'll just sit and look for a while. It, yeah. it, that, that bugged me, even though the rest of the scene I thought was, was pretty good. People can pick up things with their toes. She shouldn't have had so much problem. Oh, especially. If she had socks on, I could see there being a slight issue with her having to get her socks off using only her feet. Well, she kicked her boots off, and I think maybe socks, too. There's no socks. She no just socks? kicked her boots off. She didn't have any socks on. All right. And so, you know, that would have added ooh, seven or nine seconds to her ordeal yeah. of getting the pliers was to, you know, take her socks off using only her feet. Uh, I do that sometimes, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Does it take you, like, anyway? Yeah. No, the, the, doesn't add 10 minutes to your the, ordeal. This is one of the things I liked about the episode. Oh, some sorry. Of the, some I of the things. No, no, no. Some of the things in this, in the way, I don't know, some of the stuff about this interaction and in the scenes I thought was good, even though the whole thing was a bit ill-conceived. Um, another thing I liked, there was, a, there was a nice reference to the comic, actually, right at the beginning. And it was just a line that the governor delivered. Which did was? You, did you catch it? Did not. He's talking about the prison group, and he says, I'm going to kill them all. And that is an iconic line in the uh, comic. Yeah. In the comic. It comes at a different time, different place, and uh, but it's essentially saying the same thing. And it's the first thing I thought of when I picked, or when I heard the line. Next commercial, I stood up and got my uh, Walking Dead hardcover number four off the shelf there and showed my wife, look, 
They just said this line. It was kind of a geeky comic moment. I liked that. I How thought did that she was pretty react? Cool. She's like, she looked at the picture and like, that's the governor? I'm like, yeah, that's comic governor. <laughs> a little different. Right. You're missing the point, wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did really like the acting in the episode in overall. I mean, the yeah. governor did a nice job. Um, but the acting's generally pretty good on the show. Oh, yeah, always. Carl Solid. did a nice job. So, uh, I mean, Chandler Riggs did a nice job as Carl. All of that. Um, but overall, yeah, it was it was a pretty weak episode. Problem number one, um, the big war that we've been leading up to, to this point, was practically non-existent. The governor's people come into the prison, sneak around for a while... And then run away retreating because two people are on a bridge with guns shooting at them. And, you know, this was the first time, I think, on The Walking Dead TV show that a season hasn't paid off for me what they were building to. Yeah, we didn't have a fire. At least last season we had a fire in the finale. Sure. And Jimmy was down. That's right. But last season, you know, the first half... Built to the Sophia in the Barn reveal. Yeah. Amazing reveal. Yeah, Amazing good. episode, you know. Whether you saw it coming or not, it was handled really, really well. It was emotional, it was sad, and it was also a giant surprise. In the second half of season two, um, you know, there things are happening and you could kind of tell they're they're leading to something big happening, and then something big does happen, right? Yeah. Huge attack on the prison. You know, most of the season two finale was was a big action scene, and and it was awesome. It was tense. It was amazing. And Shane, the whole Shane thing. And the whole Shane thing. Lots of stuff. Lots of amazing payoff. Season one was a little different in that it was all about introducing characters, establishing some things, but and it was only six episodes. There was a big explosion at the end of that one, too. Well, exactly. A huge explosion at the end of that one. So, But they spent a lot of it introducing things and setting it all up, but it was still satisfying. It was a satisfying ending. And it and season one sort of set up a lot of things to, you know, happen in the future. This episode didn't do any of that. The, I didn't the only feel. the only thing this uh this finale has is uh where's the governor? You know, he didn't go back to Woodbury. He had all night. He's been gone all night. Where'd he go? Do you care? Not really. That's I mean, the problem. I don't care either at this point for some reason. I don't feel I don't Feel the excitement. He's for, got one truck, three or four guns, and a knife. And, and two guys who are now probably only with him because they're afraid of turning their back or they'll get a bullet in the back. Of the one head. of which doesn't even have a name. Yeah. Bowman. The Bowman. I'm not sure he has a name other than that. I don't even know where that came from. So He had a bow, <clears> I think. I guess. <laughs> at some point. But I don't remember. <laughs> but but that's the, that's the problem. Like, the governor is this big crazy villain that we're supposed to fear and we're supposed to hate and i kind of did there at the end when he was killing all of his people but then he gets in the truck and they drive off and i'm like huh i wonder if we'll ever see him again i i didn't honestly even get the feeling that we will oh we'll have to i realize that we'll have to but i don't know it didn't it didn't strike me as an interesting cliffhanger no it no it's not a cliffhanger it's just kind of a non-resolution of the moral and logical storyline. Yeah. So that was kind of a letdown for me. Um, something else I thought I felt, I felt like this, this episode was all about cutting away from things. We don't get to see 
Milton attack Andrea in the room. We don't get to see Andrea shoot herself in the head. I'm not saying I want to see these things, but I felt like— We've seen such things in the past. Like, we've seen zombie bite people in neck and shoulder. We've seen people get shot in the head. Yeah, that's true. In the pilot, we saw that. For some reason, though, I felt the absence of that stuff in this episode. Maybe maybe that just means what we did were shown, what we did see in the episode, I didn't find actually as compelling. And I was like, oh, I much rather would have seen Milton attack her and see how she at least tries to defend herself. But no, we get a shot outside— uh, you know, just hearing what's going on. Now, I realize they didn't want to reveal that she was bitten quite yet, but I don't know. It just it felt like they cut away unnecessarily, and it bothered me a little bit. That's true. Um, and then when the governor and his crew are in the in the tombs, I mean, this whole thing was called Welcome to the Tombs, and they're down there for like three seconds, and then suddenly they're outside again. And I'm like, well, they just teleported outside? Like, what did we not see here? What weren't we shown? Now, if they were all in the prison, why weren't... Uh, two things. One, while they were entering the prison, why were all the uh, the barred gates and doors unlocked? They had keys. They should have locked all those. Uh, you know, at least to make it harder for him to get into the prison, to make... You know, they'd have to bust down every single door would have been a colossal pain in the ass. Sure, but I think this was part of the plan. They wanted to lead them into the prison, all right. get them together... And then lock the door? And... Well, no, because then you've just invited your enemy into your house and locked yourself out, right? You've given it, you know, I mean, you've given it over at that point. I think they were trying to funnel them through, get them to encounter the the fireworks <laughs> and the sirens and the smoke, and then have them run out in a panic and shoot them and kill them. I don't know. I think they were just, I, I have to go with just have to, was just trying to scare them. Nobody was shot. They just wanted them to run off. R-U-N-N-O-F-T. <laughs> run off uh yeah i don't know i i can't really buy into your scaring tactic even though no one was shot it was all just so that they could set up the scene where the governor kills his own people right that's what truly makes him an evil evil person who's not all there you know he wanted to kill them all but he just killed the wrong them all yeah that's right he didn't <laughs> that's right he he was indiscriminate in his killing them all yeah, i didn't get to kill them all so i'm going to kill y'all <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it i don't know so i didn't that that sort of bugged me too everything even like the setup for what the plan at the prison was again i know they want the list uh, the viewer to be in the dark a little bit so it's kind of a surprise but like seeing them all pack up and then go with you know, no hint of them, maybe they're going to try something here. I don't know. It it felt like what we didn't see was really absent from this episode, more so than in other, other episodes. All right, maybe we're going to get a series of webisodes where the governor uh, drives around to the other side of the prison and goes in through the entrance uh, that's, you know, part of the collapsed building where uh, Tyrese and, and them came in. Right. So the governor's going to go in there, and it's going to be a diehard situation with the governor being uh, John McClane. <laughs> One guy in a prison. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We will see. I don't know. Well, that'll be a big letdown, too, because that's, that, you know, if that was part of the story, it should have been part of this story and not part of a webisode extra story. Maybe we'll get webisodes, yeah, of just what the governor is doing out in the countryside for. No, we're going to get webisodes of something completely different. Oh, yeah. It won't be related. Uh, so, one thing before we, we move on. Um, were you surprised, or how did you feel about Rick bringing everyone back to the prison, and and where is this going to go, and is it a good idea? Well, why the prison and why not Woodbury? They're already there. 
They have houses. Why doesn't you just take over Woodbury? But there may not be enough people to defend that large of an area now. The prison is a lot easier to defend with a smaller group of people, so in that regard, it kind of makes sense. Uh, if they had so many people, why do they pack them all into one bus? Why not give everybody a, you know, a separate vehicle and have them haul a bunch of food or supplies or even those uh, metal spheres of fire so that they could put them out as a warning to other spheres of fire that... Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, you know what? I see your point. I mean, they can probably do all that at some point. Yeah, but now right? they're gonna go back, and they're gonna well, make, yeah. You know, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a big effort to just go back and forth all the time picking up supplies. Why not just okay? We're all gonna go. Everybody pack a car. No, I, I understand, but I think they wanted to just get them back there as quick as they could, right? They don't know if the governor's going to show up, sneak in, and start shooting people. I mean, he's he's only one person now, but still. And they could have really used that deuce and a half. I don't know why they left that on the road. <laughs> well, maybe they'll get it. I don't know. Again, you know, leave somebody there. The keys are in it. It's not really that hard to drive, as long as you can drive stick. But sure, away you go. Somebody can, I'm sure. Uh, but But I just mean, like, they've all of a sudden brought in I don't know, 25, 30 extra people into this group, which has always been 10 or less. And we've kind of known everybody in the group. Now we're getting into a lost scenario where there's, you know, the others? 30 people on this island, but the show really only focuses on five or six of them. Oh, so maybe we'll get a couple of extras that'll have a feature episode where they'll die in the end. Oh, get buried but alive. At, but at least they'll have a bag full of diamonds. <laughs> right. I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm, in some ways, I'm with Carl again. I'm like, Dad, I know you're trying to do the right thing here, but what are we going to do with all these people? And it's just going to water down the program we're on. <laughs> well, really, what's he supposed to do? I mean, from a character point of view, uh, you know, you show up at this town, everybody's all huddled, they're afraid of you, they're afraid, you know, they kind of suspect the governor's batshit crazy. Uh, what do you do with these people? You just let them twist in the wind? You know? No, I know. There's, there's not a good answer there. I don't, just don't know if... I don't know. We have some mattresses left that Merle didn't mess up looking for drugs, so hopefully we have enough for you guys. They probably do. It's a big prison, right? It's a big prison. And, uh, you know, we'll have they'll have to make runs back and forth to get food and, and whatnot, and they'll have extra hands to maybe plant, uh, you know, plant the front field there mm-hmm. full of whatever, carrots and potatoes and yeah. tater day. It's tater day. It is tater day. Taters. Well, I don't know. I just... Uh... I, I have no idea where the show is going to go in season four now. And uh, At last season, we, we knew exactly where they were going to go because they showed us. They showed us, There's yeah. a prison. Hey, look, the prison. Exactly. And one of the things I thought about the end of season three is one of the things I was most excited for is sort of the promise of what's to come, you know? Like, we know, uh, we know the prison is right there. We know, I guess, they're going to end up there. It was pretty clear. We didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but you could sort of start thinking about it a little bit. Now, no idea. Yeah. Well, the only thing, the uh, the consolation prize I get from this is that uh, Carol is going to be the new Andrea. Yeah, I guess so. She's going to be the Andrea from the comic, and I hope so, and well, I'm excited for every it. Every time we say, though, something is going to come from the comic, like we're nowhere near, you know, we're way off. So who knows? Carol could die in the season finale next year for all we know. Now she True. did look pretty badass killing that zombie with the hatchet. Yeah. I mean the machete. Um, but yeah, maybe she is going to become the Andrea from, from the comic. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just don't know where it's going to go from here. 
and this this whole season finale or or lack thereof has got my you know I'm still excited for season four, but I feel my desire to like know what's going to happen and wish it was the season three more four premiere already is markedly lower than it has been any other season, and I don't know if it was just this episode or or what, but yeah, I thought they I thought they really missed the target on this one. That's Worst true. episode of season three. I'm just going to say that. You're just going to say you throw it out there. Throw it out there. All right. I'm not going to disagree. All right. I'm not necessarily going to agree, but I'm not going to disagree either. All right. You're going to you're going to sit right on the fence. I can, no, I'm just not going to uh, either disagree or I'm not. I'm not saying that I I feel one way or the other. It's just I'd ra- I want to watch the whole season in <laughs> retrospect and then make a judgment call. All right. That was a long way to say nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on, everybody. We're going to take a quick break <laughs> and uh, thank our sponsor. Hey, guys, this is Kyle from Baltimore. Totally dig what you're doing. Looking forward to the season finale. And I was hoping to hear a little Tragically Hip. Love to hear some Canadian rock music from down here in Baltimore. You guys are the best. Keep it up. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks. <laughs> you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. Uh, once again, Jason, we have a listener recommendation for a book this week. Hooray! So you are off the hook, and uh, here's what... This party is off the hook. <laughs> yes, it is. Here's what Tyler in the UK thinks everyone should pick up at Audible. Hey guys, it's Tyler from the UK here for the book suggestion for Audible. I'm sure many listeners have heard of the book due to the film of the same name, but here we go. No Country for Old Men is written by Cormac McCarthy and narrated by Tom Steckshoddy. It runs in at 7 hours and 33 minutes long. It costs £32, which I believe is around 50 Canadian dollars. Or, of course, it's free for one credit when using your Talking Debt offer. This book is a Western thriller where we follow good man Llewellyn Moss, who finds a pickup truck surrounded by a bodyguard of dead men a load of heroin, and $2 million in cash. When Moss takes the money, he sets off a chain reaction of catastrophic violence that not even the law can contain. I highly recommend it. Sadly, there's no zombies involved, but it was great to read and listen to. Thanks, Chris and Jason. Keep up the great casting. Bye. Thank you very much, Tyler. If you want to get in on some of that catastrophic violence, head over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for a free audiobook.
right, we're back, and we are going to do something really quick now before we get into more listener feedback, Okay, and that is talk briefly about The Walking Dead Survival Instinct, the video game that oh, yeah. has been out for a couple of weeks now. I have not had a chance to play it. I know last week I said I would, but I've just had an insanely busy week at work and in life, so I didn't get a chance, but you have played it a little bit. I played it for about an hour. Well, that's enough. We We need to know what your thoughts are, what you think of it and uh, whether or not people should give it a chance. I actually had to turn it off because I was yelling at the TV too much. In, a, in an excited way because the game is so amazing? Oh, no. Worst piece of shit that's ever gone into my Xbox. <laughs> oh, it my is God. horrible. The wow. voice acting is bad, which is kind of sad because it's got uh, uh, Norman Reedus and... Uh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker. Merle and Durrell. I'm not even sure I got to where my, uh, Michael Rooker shows up. Anyway... Uh, it's it just the graphics are bad. The gameplay is pedestrian. Uh, it there was one point where I was I walked into a room with someone else. I think it was my uncle, and he kept saying, uh, "Daryl, Daryl, we got to make a plan." Daryl, <laughs> Daryl, we got to make a plan. Over and over again, Daryl, Daryl, we got to make a plan. He just was saying this over, and I'm looking around the room. He's saying that, and I I just stop and I'm looking at this guy, and he just kept saying, "Daryl." We got to make a plan, Daryl. And then I finally talked to him. I'm not even sure that we made a plan. I think we talked about something else. Uh huh. And then I went outside and I was looking for gasoline or something. And then I had to get in the truck. And there was uh, the zombies surrounded surrounded this truck. And I had to get into the truck. And so I'm wondering. And all I had was like some you know smattering of whatever weapon. I didn't have enough weapons to deal with the number of zombies that were surrounding this truck. Until I realized that there was a glowing area beside the passenger door, and then I realized I don't have to get to the truck. I just have to get to that little green circle. Mm-hmm. Completely out of gameplay, all I had to do was just run, beelining it, uh, through all the zombies, get to that circle, and then we got cut scene to where we're driving somewhere. Like, it just was... I just I kept yelling at the TV, going, come on. <laughs> it was so linear. It was so annoying. It's... Probably the worst game I've ever played on my Xbox. I've played some pretty bad, and I played. Uh, uh, it's the worst game I've ever played, I think. And I've played ET for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and that's reportedly the worst game of all time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and this is worse than that. This is bad, bad, bad. Do you remember the uh, the Super Bowl ad where it was just uh, Michael Rooker and Norman Reedus talking about the game? Yep. And we were worried about the game because they didn't show anything about the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's correct. It's a oh, horrid, man. horrid game. Well, I haven't played it, but I've I've watched a little bit of gameplay footage on the internet. Uh, Dave sent a link at one point, <clears throat> which was titled something like Definitive Proof That the Walking Dead Survival Instinct is the Worst Game Ever. This year. Oh, this worst year, game you're right. This year, and which is kind. Uh, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, what I watched was, you know, someone playing the game and zombie AI, which is funny to say, zombie artificial intelligence, zombie AI that was absolutely redonkulous. You'd think that they would be able to get that right. I mean, it's a very simple set of rules. Always move towards the living person. Yeah, but a sight or sound, move towards it. There was a scene here where the player was jumping back and forth over like a, a median, yeah. sort of, and the zombie that was coming after him could not cross the median. So he'd jump on one side, the zombie would walk all the way back down and go around and start yeah. coming up the, the side he's on. He'd jump over, zombie would turn around, walk all the way back down <laughs> and come around. Like... More intelligence than it should have, and more stupidity in some way, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Zombies will go around things, but they'd rather go 
through something than around it. If you are on, if there is a you know two foot high median, maybe three between you and a zombie, the zombie will walk at it, fall over it, and then get up again and keep going. Yeah, that would have worked. That's what zombies do. Oh, there was another part in the game that uh, I was walking past, a, you know, alongside of this building, mm-hmm. and there's a ladder going up the side of the building, and I hear, "Hey, hey, come up here. We should we should talk." I'm like, "Oh." Somebody's talking, so they're not a zombie, so I should go up there. So I climb up this ladder. When I get to the top, there's somebody way on the other side of the building (laughs) standing there next to whatever he's doing. First of all, how did he see me? Second of all, his whisper would have had to have been a loud yell. (laughs) Maybe he whispered then ran off. Yeah. I don't know. It was just very weird. And uh, my whole uh, goal in life after talking to this guy, he was a police officer, uh, is uh, now I'm looking for batteries for his radio. Oh, have we ever done that before? That's my mission is to find him batteries for his radio for I forget why. Is there anything redeeming? Is it fun to shoot zombies with a crossbow? Oh, I never got to that part. Oh, really? I have like a knife and something. I think I... uh, Is it fun to stab zombies with a knife? Uh, oh, that's another thing, is that there are two separate sta- stabbing motions. I can just pull the trigger, and it'll do a quick slash. kind of. And he holds the knife like Daryl does, right? So right. He does a quick stash, if I, if a slash. If I hold the trigger longer, he does a power stab, where he takes it and he stabs the guy, the zombie, in the face, mm-hmm. right? Uh, zombies right now take three hits, regardless of the style, whether it's a quick sl- stash, slash or a power slam. I have to do it three times, whatever it is, to kill the zombie. And no matter where you hit the zombie, either? Uh, I don't know. I always aim for the head. Well, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that is unfortunate. No, there's no redeeming qualities. Are you going to play it anymore? Uh, you still need to lend it to me so I can try well, it. Well, I'm going to do that. That that's you know that goes without saying. Am I going to play it anymore? I don't know. Since then, I've, uh, I, I've picked up uh, Bioshock uh, Inf- Infinity. Infinite, infinite, infinite yeah. whatever it is, and it's friggin' awesome. Right, so why so go back to the crappy game? It's going to be uh, a hard sell for me to go back to playing that crappy video game. I might do it if we do an official review, if we decide that we need to play, like whether we're going to power through and play the whole game mm-hmm. to give it an official review, which would... I'll I'll play a bit and we'll we'll see. I don't think we'll I don't we're not going to go back and give it an official review. Okay. Maybe I'll update with my thoughts once I get a chance to play it. I have a hard time playing games that I like all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I know that about you. <laughs> so, Well, Gert from Norway sent in this quick email. He says, uh, I think a prequel game where you play as Rick Grimes in a coma would be more eventful and entertaining than this sack of turds. At least I could read something while I'm playing that, right? <laughs> That's right. a great idea. I could do something else. <laughs> Gert says, the game is a blatant cash grab, which is sad because the concept had huge potential. Kirkman Incorporated should go for quality, not quantity, to not tarnish the brand or his name. He tarnished the brand. This, this is this is the worst thing to ever come out of The Walking Dead. Yeah, and that, there's that been we a, know of. there's been a lot. Oh yeah, like there's a lot that is questionable content. This brand is not exactly a sterling uh, property. You in know my there mind. you know there are f- at least four video game. Uh, adaptations of The Walking Dead. The Telltale game, which was amazing and everyone loved. Survival Instinct, which is the worst game of the year. The Facebook game, which I don't know much about because I haven't played, but people seem to like it. I guess some people do. And then there's an iOS game, too, um, that looks to be similar to the Facebook one, but it has a different name. So it was pretty fun, actually. I played a bit of that. Well, there was was an online uh, question 
uh, thing where you and saw you tested your knowledge on The Walking Dead. Well, that's hardly a game. There's more fun than this damn thing. Oh man, that's unfortunate. <laughs> All right. Well, if anyone has any thoughts on The Walking Dead Survival Instinct, um, let us know what you think. If there's somebody out there who loves this game, oh, I, I don't know. Just even like it. If you like it, write in with something that's good about it. We'd read anything that's good about this game. All right. That's that's uh that's a deal. We'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if there's anything good, redeeming qualities. Send them here. All righty. There you go. Next up. Listener feedback. Okay, listener feedback. It's going to be the longest show of all time, but what are you going to do? It's the season finale. Longest show of all time? How long have we been uh, talking here? Um, Long time, two hours and uh, one hour and 40 minutes. Holy mofo. Roughly, roughly. Okay, listener feedback uh, from Facebook, Jason in Brooklyn. Now, um, I have to... Uh, um, Disclose that Jason is a friend of the show, Jason. I've hung out with him in, in New York a couple of times when I went down for New York Comic Con. Me too. But he wrote uh, on Facebook, and the governor just drives away. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Mr. Glenn Mazzara. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. little negative. A little negative a there. A little bit. Uh, but I can't say that I disagree. Uh, Paul on the internet writes in about uh, Andrea's death. He says, I feel much the same way about Andrea's death as I did T-Dogs. Shocked that they killed them off at this point in their story. I was looking forward to seeing her properly reintegrated with the group and hopefully redeemed in the coming season. So it's frustrating to see her written out before that could happen. On the other hand, though, it would have seemed a bit unbelievable had she escaped the situation alive. So it was at least more plausible that she she died. Yeah. So on one hand, it's realistic that she died, but... You know, I feel sort of the same way. I was tired of Andrea this season, and I don't think I'm going to miss the character. No, I was, uh, I was actually thinking that, that uh, not a lot of people are going to be sorry that she died. No, not a lot. I mean, he's Paul is right. There's lots of good, interesting stuff they could have done with her. Um, but you know what? Move on. I mean, she's she's dead and gone, and I, you know, if they were just going to sort of hammer along like the, they did all this season, then what's the point? Better that she is killed off and we get to more interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, Mike from North Carolina. What the hell? I'm glad Mazar was fired. Fuck that. Where's the resolution? Fuck. <laughs> Pardon Mike's language there, but uh, people are people are not happy with this. That was sort of yeah. the reaction we got. Trent from West Virginia writes some general thoughts. He says, It appears that the majority of the fan base was let down by the season three finale. With the buildup of the war between the prison and Woodbury, Andrea's predicament in the torture chamber, and the promise of 27 people will die, we received Glenn and Maggie scaring off a few Woodbury residents with horribly aimed gunfire. Andrea stalling her escape for a few chats with Milton and the governor killing off at least 20 random people we didn't care about. This episode and the entire second half of season three was clear evidence of the dispute between Glenn Mazzara and the writers. It was obvious they had no idea what direction the show was going. I feel like the writing process was give the audience an explosion or two and kill off Andrea for a cheap shock. We'll figure it out next season. This worries me about the future of the series, and I am afraid the damage has already been done. Wow, that's way more articulate and uh, succinct than we put it. In an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> I do want the podcast to be more than 40 seconds. No, so. <laughs> I know, but then there was no recap in there, really. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we did a recap. Yeah, that's true. And we talked about Tater Day. <laughs> that's important. Come on. 
But it was nice. Nicely, nicely written. Nicely said. Amanda from Sweden, some more general thoughts. I had such high hopes for this episode, and the past two has had so much happening in them, I can't help but be a bit disappointed about how this ended. We didn't get anything between Rick and Philip. I was expecting a showdown, or at least somewhat of a fight. More has happened in the uh, past two episodes than this one. It's sad, because this is my favorite show, but I'm not craving the season four beginning. They didn't leave it with any suspense at all, sadly. And that's what I was trying to say earlier, is that I just don't feel the need to see season four right now, which is the first time. And the first time on a show that I, you know, love generally, um, I had just haven't been feeling it. There was never a season of Breaking Bad where I didn't anticipate the next season greatly. Yeah. Same thing with probably Mad Men, Lost, and uh, all sort of my other favorite shows. All, all the unnamed favorite shows. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica. That one too. Although it took me a whole season to get into that. Well, you didn't watch it until we watched the whole season in one sitting. I know, and that was honestly not the best way to do it. It was fun, though. It was Even a, Calif- a good weekend. Cal- Californication, a show that I, that I really like. I Those really, are only 20-minute episodes or half-hour episodes. I know, episodes. but at the end of a season, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for next season, because yeah. it's, it's kind of a fun show, you know, the sort of uh, misogynist attitude aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, all right, Wild Branch from the internet wrote in on the prison war. Major disappointment. There were so many commercials that split the show up into so many segments. They completely ruined the flow of the show. And what happened to the major war in the prison? Glenn and Maggie returned fire and Teen Woodbury runs away? Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> sort of reiterating everyone's feeling. Now, on the other hand here, Monica from Texas writes, I loved the finale. What a great way to end the season. I have been a Walking Dead fan since the beginning but I have not been a fan of the second half of season three. I struggled to enjoy the show when Rick began to slip further and further away. He has always been my favorite character. We see Rick finally find himself again in this episode. I was once told that our inner turmoil comes from a lack of following our instincts and not letting our actions reflect who we truly are. By saving the innocent people of Woodbury, old Rick has come back to us. I can't wait to see uh, what the next season brings. So there you go. Something positive about the episode, that's, which is refreshing. Yeah, that's nice. Because it wasn't all bad. It was just mostly bad. <laughs> but thank you, Monica, for writing in your, your positive thoughts on the episode. I agree with her in that I'm sort of glad that we seem to have Rick right out of crazy town now. You know, they even... He's on the crazy bicycle or the sane bicycle. He is on the sane bicycle and they drove it home by having him look for Ghost Lori and not see her. Yeah, that's true. So I am happy about that. Uh, Jason in Missouri writes in about Carl. Carl was amazing this episode. From doing what needs to be done to putting Rick in his place, just amazing. When that kid was slowly inching towards Carl, I was yelling at the screen for him to shoot. I didn't think he would, but he proved me wrong. And unlike Herschel, I stand behind his decision. That kid was going to pull something stupid and Carl protecting the group uh, better than Rick has all season. I did, however, disagree with Carl's anger over allowing the Woodbury residents and soon-to-be walkers into the prison. Maybe it's just time for Rick to be a parent. Seems to be a foreign concept for him, but it's pretty sad when we can watch three seasons and see that Shane has been a much better father than Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ouch. I don't know. um, We'd have to sort of go back and, and check. But when I think about it, Rick did not seem to have many scenes with Carl this whole season. No, they were pretty separate. Like, maybe they were probably less than 20 
you know, lines exchanged between the two of them. I mean, I, I'm just making that number, pulling it out of my ass. But it felt like we'd go all, you know, full episodes, sometimes two or three in a row, where those two characters wouldn't interact at all. That's true. And that seems crazy. This is father and son. They should be, you know... They, going, going fishing? Going fishing, playing ball. They should be doing all kinds of things, right? I'm just thinking of the uh, the opening sequence from... Uh, damn it. The Andy Griffith Show. <clears throat> it's uh, little Ronnie mm. Howard and uh, what's his name? I don't know going if I've fishing. seen it. Well, yeah. Okay, the song's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they need to do. They should be doing the equivalent of going fishing and playing catch for the zombie apocalypse. And maybe right. that's... Digging a trench, having zombies fall in, and then burning them. Yeah, or chatting about new ways to kill zombies, things like that. But they yeah. don't do that. They you know, making silencers. Uh, you know, they've already right. made a silencer, but they could you know, they make more for other things. Like, why does he still have a silencer? He doesn't need that anymore, does he? Uh, I don't know. Hey, maybe. I, uh, that big weird silencer that he was on Carl's gun out in the forest, I, maybe they sort of put that on thinking that if he has to use that gun, he doesn't want to draw attention to him. True. I don't know. So uh, Finally, Dave in Florida sent in a few questions for us, and I chose this one from his email. Um, would you have rather seen the door open to Milton chomping on Andrea in the chair? Uh, would have been fitting since she seemed more interested in gas bagging than picking up those damn pliers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gas bagging and I you know we talked about this my answer is yes yeah I would absolutely have, would have much rather seen it even if it was still ambiguous about what happened I'd like to see something not just be like uh you know we'll tell you later you know the camera's gonna be outside shooting nothing we'll tell you later what's going on in yeah. here so there you go uh alrighty finally oh I don't have the clip for this either what am I doing here oh I am clearly off my game. We've been doing this for too long. Lots obviously why. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. No episode would be complete without some holy craps. Did you see that? And this first one comes from Nikki in upstate New York. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Nikki from upstate New York calling with my holy crap. Did you see that moment? And I think my moment's going to have to be when the governor gunned down all of his people. I mean, it was, what, like three episodes ago, he was telling Rick that he couldn't just leave him alone because it would make him appear weak to his people. And then he guns them all down and takes off with Martinez and the other guy. So I'm wondering what next season is going to bring with him since he kind of ran away. Uh, that's my moment. Can't wait to hear the next podcast. Bye. I do agree that that scene was unexpected. It was. It was a little bit out of left field. I was expecting one person to get shot as an example to the others. Yeah, do what I say, or this is what happens to you. Yeah. He just <clears throat> murdered his whole army, his whole yeah. home team, you know? They were crappy soldiers. They were just, I mean, they, they, all, had, they all had weapons. They, uh, and yeah, nobody, I, you know, after he got off a single shot, nobody's like, well, I should shoot that guy to prevent him from shooting other people. That's kind of the point, though. They're, they're bad at this, and he wasn't able to turn these people into soldiers, yeah, right? The worst training. Yeah, the worst, worst training. All right, Josh and Maine called in. Hey guys, it's Josh from Maine calling in. Um, I haven't listened to this week's cast yet. I'm going to be doing that at work today. Um, but I just had to call in with a holy crap that you see that from last week's episode. Um, did you notice that the uh, flat, flat caprice uh, that uh, Burl had actually had different rims on it in one scene? Um, right before the scene uh, where you see that, though, there's an overhead shot where it looks like it's them to a car wash. And then as he jumps out and rolls over, there's a scene where you can see the old spoke rims 
um, that would have probably normally been on that car instead of the uh, the rims that were on it. Um, so that's my only crap that you see that. Um, but I actually just passed that car on my way to work this morning. It was a flat black early 80s Caprice. It had the wire rims on it. Um, it was all murdered out. I couldn't believe that I, I saw that car on the road this morning. Uh, that's nuts. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks. Bye. Somebody's driving around in <laughs> Merle's car. <laughs> <laughs> apparently fancy i noticed that too the wheels changed on the car but what are you going to do there's different vehicles for different scenes i also um recall in uh, back to the future the delorean changes once or twice does it well the delorean itself might not but some interior shots there's some shots where he's driving around the parking lot in twin pines mall being chased by the libyans yeah and you see shots of the odometer and it's wildly different from shot to shot and things like oh, that. oh the odometer you got to give that yeah i know of course in uh, in the in the past, when he's on the skateboard and and Biff is chasing him around, and before Biff drives into the manure, yep. that car changes too. The headlights are different and stuff. I am a scholar of Back to the Future, so oh, yeah? I noticed these. Well, things. I told you something new about the that I got from my wife from Back to the Future. He calls uh, Biff calls him an Irish bug, McFly. <laughs> right. Yeah, Irish bug. Yeah, you know that that I remember you telling me that and for some reason I never picked up on it. Yeah, me neither. Mixed Seen the movie fly. like 17 times and oh, at the least la- the last time we watched it my wife uh, said, "Hey." It's an Irish well, bug. Well, actually I think she knew it from before. She just pointed it out to me. Right. Well, anyways, cars change and uh yeah, it's kind of annoying when it's that blatantly obvious the wheels are different, but what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, Brandon from Dallas called in. Hi, this is Brandon from Dallas. My uh, holy crap moment for the last episode, uh, Sorrowful Life, was when um, Merle was hot-wiring the vehicle. There's a zombie that walks in the frame that starts to go after um, Michonne that is wearing a red plaid shirt with makeup on the side of his face. Now, that zombie is almost identical to one of the featured zombies from the original Dawn of the Dead, George A. Romero movie, uh, that Flyboy shoots, and I think uh, Greg Nicotero put that in there as a definite homage to the uh, George Romero series. That was my holy crap moment from that episode. Thanks, guys, and love the podcast, by the way. Listen every week. Thank you very much, Brandon. Um, you know, I would have normally chalked that up to maybe just coincidence, but uh, a few people sent that in, and everyone was convinced that Zombie was so similar to this one uh, from... Um, did he say Night of the Living Dead? Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, that it had to be a uh, sort of an homage. And if I'm not mistaken, Nicotero may have worked on that movie too. So probably just threw one in there to sure to make it look, uh, to sort stuff. of pay tribute. So, All right, we got lots of email ones here, so we'll blow right through. Mia from Sweden, my holy crap moment of last week's episode was definitely the last scene in the cold open when Merle tilts his head when uh, when he's staring Rick down and sends shivers down my spine. That's because Merle's creepy. Merle is creepy. Brian from Illinois, uh, Merle grabbing the phone. Earlier, the governor made a comment to the stash uh, about the stash of weapons to the and how the prison the prison just got. Is it possible that Merle was giving info to the governor? I know the phone most likely didn't work, but he seemed very odd when Daryl was looking for him. It was also the only thing he didn't use in his bug out bag. So why grab the phone? He did actually. He took it apart and tied her wrists That's and hands true. up yeah. with it. Um, a lot of people speculated that Merle was a spy. And he, I don't think he was. And how would he get information back to the governor anyways? Like, it doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, he would need a radio or uh, maybe he that's why he wanted the phone. Or yeah, but the phone clearly didn't work. <laughs> I, know, I know. Or the spy that we thought was in the forest, you know, maybe he was giving information to him or her, but anyways, he's no longer a spy. <clears throat> uh Mark from Yorkshire, England. My holy crap, did you see that moment of episode 15 was Zombie Merle's trembling lip. How the hell did he do that? (laughs) (laughs) Also, when Daryl violently put him down, I got the impression that he was taking out his anger, that Merle had left him again. A recurring theme between these two characters. Um... Greg from the internet. After after nearly three seasons of badass epic zombie slaying, Andrea was taken out by a zombie named Milton. Oh, the indignity. <laughs> uh, Rayhan from New Zealand. My holy crap, did you see that moment this week was when Carl says to Rick he drew on us, talking about the guy they encountered in the forest. Straight away, it reminded me of season two when Glenn and Rick go to get Herschel uh, from the bar and Rick kills the two men. When their friends come, Rick says, your friends drew on us. So again, <laughs> call back to a previous season. Nice. They did that a lot this year, I felt like, in season three. A little bit. Okay, a little bit. Uh, Tom from the internet. My holy crap, did you see that moment, was when the governor gunned everyone down. It actually transcended holy crap and even holy shit, as I found myself saying, holy fuck, aloud. The governor now has a joker level of not giving a damn, and I'm glad he will be around again in one way or another. Craig from Georgia, he sent lots in. I had to choose this one. During his conversation with Rick, he points out every time someone wasn't killed, the group paid for it. The funny thing, he was right. And he's talking about Carl, sorry. Every time that someone wasn't killed, Carl says, the group pays for it. Yeah. And he was right. Kill or you die. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. Cindy from the internet. A couple of small holy craps, she writes. Carol helps Daryl up, and thus they hold hands. <laughs> All the ladies like that scene. A lot of people, like, want to see uh, Daryl and, and Carol get together. Well, yeah. Including names, me. Names rhyme. They got to. It's all, it's all good. Cindy goes on. Carl drops the badge at Rick's feet. Holy crap, that takes some balls. And Beth makes a serious kill. Good for Beth. Yeah. Uh, Sean from Vancouver says, Andrea, stop talking and pick up the freaking pliers. <laughs> Agreed. Facebook, Troy on Facebook writes, Herschel's, Herschel's, holy crap, did you see that moment was when Carl shot Cody. <laughs> I don't, I didn't catch that kid's name, but it, uh, Troy seems to think it was Cody. I don't dispute it. All right. Um, but did you catch this? While Carl killed Cody in cold blood... <laughs> Nice. That's an amazing alliterative sentence. Good work. While Carl killed Cody in cold blood, Rick saved Cody's mother. She was the woman that was trapped in the truck by the walkers slash uh, Woodburyans. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in season four. Oh, that's going to be tricky. I, I, it, the thought did occur to me when they showed up with the uh, the Woodburyans mm-hmm. that uh, Carl's going to have some splaining to do. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that that was mother and son, but... Because oh, be. that came that came out before, right? She didn't want Cody to go the asthmatic has, asthma. Yeah, that was the asthmatic kid, I guess. So he got his moment in the spotlight. So the asthmatic kid was running through the forest. Well, he wasn't. He didn't seem to run in that fast. But I don't know. It's funny that he wasn't back in the truck. But anyways, so if that is the case, yes, Carl might have some explaining to do. Yeah, as you sort of said. Well, that's uh, <laughs> it's from Lucille Paul. Lucy, uh, you have some explaining to do. Yes, of course. Yeah. So finally on Facebook, Stephanie wrote, holy crap, did you see all of those old people and children get off the bus? 
I'm glad Rick was nice enough to bring them in because we need some more characters, but I don't think they're going to add anything to the show, and I just really hope it doesn't mess with the chemistry the group already has. Well, it's like parsley. It adds a lot of uh, visual aspect to, to whatever it is, but not any flavor. No taste. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to see. I mean, I'm going to make a prediction right now, and that is that the beginning of season four is going to start with the group living in Woodbury. You think they're going to live in Woodbury? Yes. I think they're going to do it. I don't know. I, that just came to me right now. They're not going to stay in the prison. They're going to live in Woodbury. <laughs> the only no. reason I could see that not happening is because Ridber- Woodbury is a real place and the prison is a set. And they probably want to use the set more. Yeah. Well, they got to let the people who live there get back to their lives, right? Yeah. Actually allow them to mow their lawns again. Yeah, I suppose. And take down all the fake signs on the front of their buildings. Yeah. So. All right, man. Did you look at iTunes reviews this week? I did. All right. Who have we got? We got a few of them. We got Zombie Slayer 077. Nice. We got Camp Ferg, <laughs> Bro okay. CW Stevens, Riley's Girl, Dr. Angie B. Or Angle, sorry, Dr. Angle B, uh, Junk Mail uh, 1515, Ryan White 512. And I actually uh, wrote down his review. Uh, best hours spent. One of the best podcasts I found. Keep up the good work. Right. Well, who was that? That was uh, Ryan White 512. Thank you, Ryan White 512. And thank you to everybody who's given us some iTunes reviews lately, especially those five stars. You should go and uh, put give us a five-star <clears throat> review to us on uh, on iTunes. Because then at least you'll know that you're better than everybody else. <laughs> that makes you better than everybody? It sure does. Well, it makes us better, and it makes us feel better about ourselves. So please, please do, and thank you to those who have already done so. Okay, Jason, it's finally time to wrap up this episode. I can't believe it. Um, so let's just, uh, first of all, remind everyone that next Saturday is our live broadcast. Okay. And uh, next Saturday is our live broadcast. What time is it at? It is at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Correct. We are currently in Daylight Savings Time. Yeah. And one of the things we will be doing is providing more details on our short story writing contest that we're going to run all summer. So before then, we will organize all the details and make sure we have them ready for that. So tune in for that. And like I said, if you can't make it, we understand. So we'll be releasing it as a normal podcast for download later on. But it will be exciting to start that contest. So other than that, um, what happens next? We, we've got a few things coming up now that Season 3 is done. So next Saturday, like I said, is the live show. After that, on April the 15th, which should be a Monday night, that... We'll likely do a regular podcast, probably some more listener feedback on that show. So if you have some thoughts or comments, by all means, continue to send them in. Um, we'll get back to the Walking Dead news and things like that, depending on what uh, what there is to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, any casting announcements that they have over the next week for season four. Yeah, the stuff like that, yeah. exactly. Um, for sure. We are going to do our annual season finale crossover episode with Jason and Karen on The Walking Dead cast. We've set that up uh, right now for recording on May the 2nd. Now, I know that's a month after this podcast, uh, this season has ended, but we just couldn't get the schedules to work any other way. So we're going to do that on May 2nd. Half the podcast is on their show, half is on our show, and uh, we do hope you will tune in for that. <clears throat> after that, we are going to get into our regular sort of off-season, um, off-season plan where we do probably bi-weekly podcasts. Yeah. 
And we'll definitely get back into the actor spotlights we do where we go and we watch some of the other stuff that the actors from The Walking Dead have done in the past and just talk about it. I'm sure we'll do something for Dallas Roberts, Danai Guerrera, Jose Pablo Cantillo, who plays Martinez, and probably Chad L. Coleman, who plays Tyrese, and maybe others too. There's a few others in there that we could spread out over the summer. So That'll be fun. Absolutely tune in for that. And one more thing, finally... Thanks again to everybody for a great season three um, uh, of podcasting and listening and, you know, sending in your thoughts and comments. I know there's a lot of listeners that don't stick with us during the summer, but that's totally cool. We hope you come back in the fall in October for uh, the premiere of season four. But for those who do stick around, um, there's still stuff to hear during the summertime and the off season. So uh, we hope you do hang out and um, continue to contribute but just a big thanks to everyone for listening and uh, it makes it really fun to do this as i've said before so there you go i had fun yeah good thanks for being here yeah no problem (laughs) all righty so if you want to get in contact with us give us a call on the zomb line 1-866-483-ZOMB if you think you're calling amc's talking dead show please go to their website and find their phone number (laughs) don't call this number yeah. Uh, 1,700 calls during the season finale of uh, AMC's Talking Dead last That's a night. lot. That's a lot of calls. 1,700. More than uh, three times the previous record for wrong numbers. I don't know what to do, because 1,700 is, is just too much to deal with. Can you imagine if they all left messages? Yeah, we had, I mean, that's... And that's You'd still be going through them. Oh, I would have to mass delete. There's no way I would be able to find the real messages in there, so... You know, if we didn't close the number for that two hours, it would be absolutely insane. Yeah. And people would leave messages, and, you know, we pay by the second. So 1,700 one-minute uh, uh, voicemails, yeah, that'd be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it would. So uh, anyways, please try to get the right number. But you listeners, I know. You're listening to me right now, and I know you are calling us on purpose. So one eight six six four eight three z o m b. That's 9662. Check us out on Twitter at Talking Dead or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. The whole reason we're having a live broadcast on uh, next Saturday is because we passed 10,000 likes before yeah. the end of Season 3. And in fact, we did it with uh, style because we're now at like 11,500. Yeah, good so times. Not too bad at all. Finally, you can email us talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. It's been a great season three. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. And uh, until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. <laughs>